Yeah, talking about liquidiv.com, promo code Nooners at checkouts. You see us drinking it on the show every single day. Where would we be, Japes, without Liquid IV in our lives? Dehydrated, we'd have headaches, we'd be tired, yeah. exhausted. Yep. Not be able to get through the day, get through work. We'd be sick all the time. I'd be hungover. <laughs> Every single day. Love the liquid IV. Liquid IV hydrates you with benefits like electrolytes, essential vitamins, and clinically tested nutrients with three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drinks out there, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in a single stick. It's clear why Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. It's just a little tiny stick full of powder. Pop it in 16 ounces of water. You're good to go. What's your reckon, Jabes? Double or triple hydrated? I would say double. I'd say triple. What? Nay. I'll say triple today. Huge fan of Liquid IV. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration. With Liquid IV, get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code Nooners at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop better hydration today using promo code Nooners at liquidiv.com. Yeah! Talking about expressvpn.com slash Nooners. Love ExpressVPN. You've got to have a VPN in today's world or you're not living your life right, brother. People are going to start stealing your passwords, all your bank info, everything. And I know most of you are probably thinking, uh, why don't you just use incognito mode? Let me tell you something. Incognito mode doesn't hide your activity. Doesn't matter what mode you use or how many times you clear your browsing history, your internet service provider can see every single website you've ever visited. That's why when I'm at home, I never go online without using Express VPN. Huge fan. I've had it for years. ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes your internet connection through their secure servers so your ISP can't see the sites you visit. ExpressVPN also keeps all of your information secure by encrypting 100% of your data with the most powerful encryption available. Most of the time, I don't even realize I have ExpressVPN on. It runs seamlessly in the background uh, of all my computers and my laptops and my phones, and it's super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button, and you're protected. ExpressVPN is available on all your devices, like I was saying, phones, computers, uh, even your smart TV. So there's no excuse for you not to be using it right now. Protect your online activity today with the VPN rated number one by CNET and Mashable. Visit my exclusive link, expressvpn.com slash nooners, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash nooners. Expressvpn.com slash nooners. Head there to learn more. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ross Patterson Revolution! Brought to you by BlackRifleCoffee.com Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ross Patterson Revolution! 
Welcome to Ross Patterson Revolution. We're on episode 299. God damn it, we're closing in on 300 episodes. What I wanted to do today was talk to you guys directly. You guys message the Facebook page, Ross Patterson Revolution, and the Instagram all the time, and me personally, as well as Jesse personally, and sometimes there's just too many messages. We, we can't get back to people. So today I said, fuck it. I'm taking the day off, and I'm going to answer every single question you have, whether it's serious, non-serious, imaginary. I don't give a shit. I'm going to give you the real honest answers to every single question you have. I don't even know how long this will last. I mean, I think there's maybe 200 questions so far. Fuck it. So it's the middle of the afternoon on Tuesday. We'll pop this up live right after it's over and uh, see what happens. (laughs) But here's all of your questions, and I will shout you out by name. So that way you know who it is. And if you don't like the question or you're disgusted by it, you can feel free to hit them up afterwards because I'm going to say say who they are. But first, we have some sponsors who make this whole fucking show possible, who've made all 300 episodes possible. First and foremost, talking about BlackRifleCoffee.com. They've been our chief sponsor for all of 2018, and I'm happy to announce they are chief sponsor for all of 2020 as well wait what that's not real that's not a real thing ross it's 2019 next year i'm already in it i'm already in the fucking next year don't care my mind's already there i've i've already focused my goals there um i i don't have a vision board or anything like that i hope that's not a a question today because i will shit on a vision board Actually, I won't, but we'll see if there's a question about it. Black Rifle Coffee is the best coffee in the business. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com. Type in the one-time promo code REVOLUTION for 20% off. The subscription of the month is what you need in that that whole life uh, for BlackRifleCoffee.com. Next up, we've got StrikeForceEnergy.com. Strikeforce is also on for all of, of 2019 as well. Super stoked to have them as always. Uh, OG fucking homies on uh, here in Drinking Bros. Believe what they've they've been with us since the very beginning. Uh, all 300 of these. God damn it! How have we had 300 episodes? That's crazy. Where does the time go? Where does my time go? Because it goes into this show. Uh, Strikeforce is making four. Count them four amazing flavors, grape, orange, lemon, and orange. Uh, They get a 10-pack, a 40-pack, and a 750-milliliter bottle. They also have a subscription of the month club. Go to StrikeForceEnergy.com. Get on the Strikeforce train if you're not on it. Kick the can. You don't need the can anymore, kids. StrikeForceEnergy.com, promo code REVOLUTION, 20% off. Drinking Bros is, uh, is our next one. Yep, ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. Ghostbed, new to this show. They've been on the last two months, but they've been on drinking bros for two years. And uh, we love we love the ghostbed. That's why we we kept the 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 label the same. It's ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. Uh, that's where you can find all the deals on your mattresses. You got a you got the ghost lux beds, which are new. These are fucking amazing, man. They've got cooling pads inside. And uh, making the finest mattresses on the planet. 
If you're looking for a big ticket item, go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros and give them a shot, man. These look, we've had these mattresses forever. Um, they're the best in the biz. And and look, they're the the deals they're offering on ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros are exclusive to you guys and you guys only. You get like $500 off a bundle package, $300 off a mattress, free pillows, all kinds of shit. Love, love, love them more than life itself. And uh, last but not least, straightrazors.com. Jesse's not here today. It's just me. It's just me talking shit with you. A little stuffed up today. I could use some, I could use some aftershave to really get my senses back in order. Man, that smolder is, is my jam. I talked to Luke Webster earlier, the owner of the company, and uh, he said, hey, bro, you don't have to buy your own shit from me. And I'm like, no, I do. I want to support your company. I hope it thrives forever. If I lose you... Then I also lose the smolder aftershave that I use every single day. Just go on and try a bottle of it. If I'm lying, you can kick me in the dick next time you see me. They got some of the finest shaving products in the land. Get yourself a kit. It's almost Christmas. All of these items I have named are great stocking stuffers except for the mattress. The mattress, you can actually fuck on it from Ghostbed. And uh, let's, let's face it, that's probably better than a... Than a stocking stuffer, to be real. Stuff her stocking. Um, but get a straight razors kit for that that dude in your life or that pregnant bush in your life. Go to straightrazors.com. Type in the promo code REVOLUTION for 20% off, and that's good every time. Uh, last but not least, pick up. Uh, uh, at night she cries while he rides his steed, and when darkness falls, he doesn't catch it. St. James Street, James. Funniest books on the planet. They're available in hardback, paperback, in Audible. God damn it. It's the, the, look, we have the highest rated books on Audible. I don't give a fuck. Let's get to the biz, shall we? Let's get to the questions at hand. Today's going to get weird, I have a feeling. Uh, first question out of the box. Michael Han. It's two ends. Good bad. Could be saying that wrong. It could be nuts. Uh, either way. Han Solo. Ross Patterson, if Millie Vanilli fell in a forest, would someone else make a sound? Uh, yes, they would. And, and they would say, girl, you know it's, girl, you know it's, girl, you know it's. Because that's where the record skipped in that Millie Vanilli debacle. Right on that phrase. Girl, you know it's, girl, you know it's. Man, this, that was still one of the greatest moments in, in TV history. R.I.P. though to, I think Vanilli is the one who killed himself. Millie might still be alive, uh, or vice versa. You can flop it. I, I, I don't know if they're twins, but they fucking look like twins. And I know what you're saying, hey, Ross, just because they're black doesn't mean they all they look alike. I don't know, man. I wasn't that big of a Millie Vanilli fan. But uh, that's my answer to that one. Two-parter. This one's for, for Jesse, and uh, I asked her. I called her. So what, what do you think of this? What do people in China call their good plates? Um, I, I Look, I think... I think people in China call their good plates uh, dogs. Um, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't know if they eat their dogs over there. But if so, it's a good plate, isn't it? Give me a good plate of dog. Uh, I'm ready to start the holidays off right. Next up, Richard Repka. Man, love Richard. When you and Jesse met, was it love at first sight or did you wear her down over time? Love you, Ross. Can't thank you enough for that tribute you did for my wife on the show. Uh, it meant the world to me, and thank you from the bottom of my heart. Richard Repka, I uh, appreciate this question. Richard recently ro- uh, lost his his wife, and um, 
man, it, it fucking sucks. Uh, I, I didn't know what to say on Drinking Bros. Um, I did the best I could, but it, it was such a shock for me because I didn't know she was sick. That, um, you know, whenever you're doing the Drinking Bro of the Week on, on the sister show, Drinking Bros, I, you never know what you're going to get. And so you open up your inbox, and that was one of them that really, really shocked me. Uh, but I love you, Richard. We're all thinking about you. Uh, yes, it was love at first sight, Richard. Um, but it wasn't when I met her, I actually saw her in a movie first, saw her in a movie, uh, and I was sitting in a theater, it was about eight, eight people in there and she came on screen and I was like, man, there's something magical about this girl. Then I was doing 50 K in a call girl. And, uh, that, that was the character I was, I was looking for somebody like her to be in this movie. I called the casting director, saw that movie on a Friday night, called the casting director 50 K and a call girl on Monday and said, you got to get this girl in this fucking movie. I think she's incredible. And sure enough, she was. And, uh, so sort of to answer your question, it was love at first sight on the movie screen. And then I met her in real life and she was okay. She was okay. No, I'm kidding. Um, but yes, I, I, I had seen her in a movie first and fell in love with her in this movie before I even met her. So I hope that answers your question. Strange how that works. But, uh, you know, sometimes when you're watching these things, the people end up being like you hope they are. It's very, very rare. But in that case, uh, Jesse was, Jake Brantz, his question in the movie Tropic Thunder, during the scene where they're having a video conference with Tom Cruise, he asks who in the room is a key grip. He then asks the grip to punch the director in the face. Why did he ask the key grip to punch him rather than anyone else? Is there some sort of hierarchy in the film industry that allowed him to do that? Yeah, (laughs) it's a great question, actually, Jake. Uh, Yes, there is. Um, and let's face it, the key grip is probably, yeah, he's, he's the, look, grips on set are the tough guys on set. So if you're going to have anybody punch someone else in the face, you would want the key grip to do it. He's probably the toughest guy on set. Um, who's actually a crew member. And plus if that guy loses his job, look, the studio's not going to care, but, uh, they don't want to lose their, their director of photography. There's a couple people that you don't want to lose. You don't mind if you lose your key grip, but uh, that's it's also because look, the key grip's probably your biggest badass on set. So if he knocks you out, congratulations, you really got fucking knocked out. JPD, it's my birthday today. Can I get a shout out on the show? I'm also in Wilmington. It'd be fucking awesome to meet you guys. JPD, ha- dude, happy birthday, man. Um, man, uh, look, I am in Wilmington. Uh, shit, I'm, I'm around actually, uh, this week, pretty much my travel schedule has ended. I'll be at Wilmington brewery at some point throughout this week. I don't know when, but, uh, let me know when you're there and I'll try to pop by for a beer. I love that place more than life itself, by the way. So I'm always down for free beer, especially if you're buying JP, Chris black. Why do hot dogs come in packs of 10 and hot dog buns come in packs of eight? This is easy. This is, this is just pure marketing on this one. Um, I mean, fuck. They want you, they want you to buy the extra fucking bag. That's why. Um, they want you to buy extra buns for this. That's a simple one, Chris. Come on. You're better than that. Drew Lamox. Or Lamax. Eh, I don't know how you say it, but either way, I like it. I remember him from the hurricane. 
What's the best sex position and the best location to perform that position? That's a good one. Uh, the best sex sex position, probably, I mean, look, you can never go wrong with straight up cowgirl. Um, and this is, look, this is a personal one because, it, like, I'm a visual guy. You want to see tits. You want to see, a, you know, a face, all that other shit. Reverse cowgirl, doggy, whatever. That could be anybody, to be honest with you. Could be a, could be a Bruce. Could be a Caitlin. You don't know. But where's the best place for that to be performed? Probably in a garage. Not your own garage at home, but like in a mall garage where you're like, man, fuck it. Like right before a movie starts, like some weird movie where you're just like, or at dinner. Because let's face it, nothing's better than fucking right before dinner. That way you're not thinking about it throughout dinner. You're just like, yeah, we fucked right before dinner. Now everything else is fucking chill the rest of the night. We can we can enjoy a nice dinner together, and I feel like we've earned it. I feel like we've we've gone... Uh, as far as we could possibly go before the dinner started, so we're good. You're not really thinking about anything else. You can just enjoy the dinner and a movie afterwards, some drinks, and then maybe fuck again later. You know, go for round two. Uh, Erica Hochstetler. Oh, that's a dirty question. Um, have you ever earned your Red Wings? Lol, LOL. No, I haven't, uh, Erica. That's the thing, man. If you're on your period... And this this goes for anybody. Give some, give your man a heads up and just say, hey, uh, just look, we can do other shit. I'm, we're good on that. I've got some disgusting friends who just don't give a shit. I, I care. Where I'm just like, look, there's a million other orifices we could really get involved in. Um, that that I don't. We don't need to go down that road. You know what I'm saying? Like, just give me a heads up. Give your give your bros a heads up. Look, if they don't, if if you're telling your man, hey. You can go ahead and, and take a shot at Glory down there at the at part in the Red Sea. That's fine if he's if he's into it. But if he's not, give him a heads up before before that, so he's just not like, oh my god, I think I accidentally murdered you. I think I fucking murdered you, Ryan Hitchcock. Next question: Is the janitor movie going to happen? And what's with the O mouth in a lot of your pictures? Two great questions, Ryan. Janitor movie. I don't know, man. I, I've had a hard time getting uh, Jared, Matt, and Evan and those guys to make another movie. Uh, they're super busy with Black Rifle Coffee. And look, rightfully so. The company's growing at like record speed. And I don't think, it's just a guess. I don't think, I don't know if those guys will do another movie, to be honest with you. I'll try to get them to do this, try to get them to do Range 15, or the Range 15 sequel. Both are written. Um, Rescue 16, I, I wrote and turned in December 1st of December. Yeah, I'm sorry. December 1st of 2016. That's when I turned in Rescue 16. I turned in the janitor in July, maybe September. Um, so I don't know, man, those guys are just too fucking busy. Like Jerry's in Puerto Rico right now. I didn't even know where he's going sometimes so i hope so uh two part of that question what's with the o mouth in a lot of your pictures it is a tribute to donald dawkins mouth guitar legend pull up that poster online that's where i started doing it it was a movie poster for donald dawkins mouth guitar legend and uh uh, eventually i'm going to string together a bunch of those pictures and i will have done it everywhere all over the globe it was probably out of all the movies I've made, my favorites. Therefore, I always feel like giving in a tribute. 
if you think Jared, my best friend Taylor, did it first, um, he didn't. Just go find that movie poster of Darnell Dawkins' mouth guitar legend. Uh, it's a tribute to that um, and kind of an inside joke with, with uh, myself and some other people that worked on the movie. That way he's, he's always alive. Um, I've always wanted that character to live, even though he died in that movie. Uh, Logan McKenum. Does walking around with that big old dick hurt your back? Hashtag forever hung. I've been hashtagging forever hung. I should, I should probably trademark that. Uh, it does. Um, it hurts doing a lot of things. Um, lifting weights. Going to the grocery store. I got to look. I slammed it in a microwave door once. And the microwave was on top of the oven. So... It's it's a it's my cross to bear in this life. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna really go into the 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 depth of you know how hard my life has been with a huge penis because then then it's just then I sound you know greedy or like I don't care like no I uh, it, it's 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 my cross to bear in this life and I've learned to live with it Logan but I appreciate it I appreciate you asking me Paul Vincent. He says, uh, this, this has bothered me for a while ever since I went to Salem as a kid. Maybe you have some insight into this. Why do modern witches like going to Salem, Massachusetts to celebrate witchcraft and witches? It's the only place in America where they lost, and they lost horribly. That's like Confederate soldiers celebrating the war in Gettysburg. It's a great one, Paul. It's a great question. I don't. I don't know the answer to that, and I'll tell you why. I grew up in the South as a kid, um, in Georgia most of my life. They've done these Civil War reenactments all throughout the South, and it's like, hey, man, we lost. Like, the South lost all of these. And when I say we, I mean, you know, anybody who's lived in the South, why are you recreating it there? I mean, look, they, they won a lot of them there, so... I'm with you on that. I don't. I don't know, but uh, I would. I would have to imagine it's got to do with tourism at this point, where it's just like, all right, cool. Because what else is going on in Salem, Mass? What else can they really hang their hat on? I've never been there, so I'm asking. My parents actually did go there for a uh, uh, not a vacation, but like a Halloween thing. It was one of those touristy things where they're just like, hey, let's go to Salem and see the whole. Which thing on Halloween? And they said it was rad, but I would imagine it's for that and uh, and nothing else. Joe Evans, do Antifa members only hate the white parts of a panda? They do. They do. Um, and the rest of them will blame. If, if a panda is bad, they'll blame it on the white parts and say that uh, the white parts were privileged. And that's why they did what they did. I hate Antifa. I hate all of that stupid fucking shit. And um, my question is this, Joe, does it end when the next Democrat gets elected president? Uh, Will Antifa end or will they find something else to bitch about? That's what I am excited to see. Um, But I think this whole Antifa thing, Antifa thing is fucking bullshit. These people wrapping themselves up. Here's the thing. Just just take the head wrap off and beat somebody in the face. If you were a real fucking hombre in this life. You don't need to wear a fucking scarf and a do-rag like your goddamn Al-Qaeda. Same with Al-Qaeda. What are you all wrapped up for? Show your face. If you're going to do you know, an act of, of what you consider to be bravery, um, show your face and do it. Fuck, man. You think people wrap themselves up in, the, in the, the Wild West? Fuck no, they didn't. They showed their face. They wanted their face on, on fucking most wanted signs and shit like that. 
Why wrap up, man? Fuck Antifa. Um, Justin Foy, any date for the new movie? No. I wish. Um, I just answered that question a little bit earlier, but uh, I don't know what it is, and I don't know what it's going to be. Um, the other question she or he asked, he's got a lady in his little online profile pic. Sorry, Justin. What's the court situation you haven't been able to tell us? So a lot of these movies go through lawsuits. Like I think almost every movie I've done has been hit with lawsuits. They're all frivolous. It's all people trying to grab cash. Um, and they're all done out of desperation where you're just like, oh man, we, you know, it seems so glamorous in the news of like, oh, we made X off of this movie, whatever. Um, I can tell you this, me and the book, like I've, there's one more deposition I got to sit through and then we're doing a huge special on it on uh, drinking bros. And we're going to do one on Ross Patterson revolution. And then we're actually going to throw a party at the courthouse, um, for the actual when the trial actually goes down because this one we're taking a trial uh we got extorted for money and um we're gonna out these people and and really get it out to the world and it's gonna be a blast we got a publicist and all the shit involved so this one will be a fun one the other ones are you know frivolous where it's just like somebody got hurt after work or you know stupid shit this one is not this one's like a a hardcore like uh Somebody was was really trying to extort us on this one. So this one we're going to out to the public and to the world. And uh, this will be a fun one to follow in 2019 because we're, we're going to do a bunch of big events around it. Uh, and kind of let you inside what happens in the in the, the justice system because it's, it's actually crazy and not that glamorous. But uh, this one is. So it's a fun one. Um, Tim Clow. When are you coming back to Omaha, Nebraska? Swing on by, do a show, smoke, smoke some, have some beers, let's hang. Don't try to say my last name, you'll butcher it. <laughs> Too late, Tim. I think it's Clow. I'm going with Clow. It could be Clo, though, or Clock. Uh, it's C-L-O-U-G-H. Um, I, haven't, I haven't been to, uh, whew, I have been in Nebraska in a very, very long time. Um, I'd like to, actually. We don't have too many listeners or fans in nebraska um ironically and uh and i also feel bad for your football team there i know the whole state's behind that i hope scott frost can really you know start to pull that team together because it's nice uh it's nice when when nebraska is good but um that but look besides their stakes and their football team i don't know too much terribly about nebraska but i heard you guys rage so uh, look I, i'd love to but i don't we don't have that many listeners there uh, Don Baum, how do you handle rejection when a project as a movie, book, or et cetera that you've put everything into is shot down? Whew, this is a great question, man. Uh, not well. I don't handle it well. Um, I haven't for years. And I've, I've used it as motivation. At the top of the show, I was joking about a fucking vision board and shit like that. Um, it's not, I've never had a vision board of like, oh, I want a Ferrari or I want this. Um, but I used to use projects that I thought that I deserved or got rejected or roles I didn't get that I, I really wanted. I used to cut those out of magazines and shit like that and then tape them above my computer and use those for motivation when I was writing. Um, it got to a point where... Man, I had sat down with Kevin Hart. Um, I, by the way, he's one of my dream guests to have on the show because I owe him my 
you know, most of my career because of advice that he gave me years and years and years ago, probably shit, man, maybe 15 years ago, 14 years ago. He was the one we were in a, him and I kept auditioning for things together. Usually do these things called chemistry reads. And, um, we, we need, we, neither of us got it. Like we were up for like three or four movies together and neither me or Kevin Hart got the movies, which is crazy. And there was one project in particular that he had just gotten rejected on. And it was a pilot that he had written and was starring in uh, for NBC at the time. And uh, at the, I forget what year it was. I want to say maybe 2004 or five. And it had gotten around town that this project was great. And it was widely anticipated that it was going to be picked up. And it wasn't. And I saw him at this audition. And uh, the two of us got paired up to do this thing. And the casting director came out and said, hey, the, direct, the director is running behind. So it's, it's going to be a while. And we ended up in this audition room together for about an hour and a half. So I leaned over and I was like, hey, man, I just want to say I'm sorry about your your TV show. I just read about it and that fucking sucks. And I don't know what happened. And he was just like, fuck it. I don't care. Move it on. And he was genuine about it. And I was like, really? And he goes, yeah, man, I don't care. Move it on. I'm just going to do my own shit. Keep writing. I don't care about this. And I, if I, if I get it great, if I don't, I'm moving on. And and he was the one who was like, look, you got to write your own shit. You got to stop thinking about rejection or the things you've been rejected on and move on to the next project because there's too many projects and anyone who is great or considers himself great in this world has a million projects going at once. And you don't need that one thing you're pinning your dreams to, at least in the entertainment industry. Other other jobs in the world, I, you know, I don't know about that, but I can answer your question as regards to movies and books and TV shows and stuff like that. And he was right. Um, after that, I started writing all of my own material. And the auditions and everything else that I was up for, movies, it was great if I got them. Um, but if I didn't, I was always working on my own projects and that helped me deal with the rejection of all of this shit where if I took the power into my own hands, like Kevin was doing, I gave myself a better shot in life to have more irons in the fire and to get more stuff made, uh, to do more with, you know, especially with, with writing my own books and my own podcasts and, and making my own movies and owning my own production company. It gave me a better shot at all of it. And, um, he helped me handle rejection better from that one hour and a half talk we had at this audition one day. Uh, and up until that point, I had not handled it well at all. Um, it, it, it it, when you're auditioning for shit and you're not doing anything else and you don't get it, it is super fucking depressing uh, because then you see people shooting it. You know, some of your friends are working on it and uh, you know, the movie eventually comes out, especially if it blows up, man, then you dwell on that forever of like, fuck, that was my shot. And um, I did not handle it well at all until, until I got that advice from him. And then after that, uh, I kind of realized that I just needed to always have a million things going and move on to the next. And look, even today's show, man, if you'd have told me I'd have, have 300 episodes and sponsors and the show would be as big as it is, we've got, you know, close to 1.5 million listeners on this 3.6, I think on drinking bros. Like, I, man, I, it, that wouldn't have happened if I wasn't doing a million things at once. Um, cause you don't think about it. 
And then boom, you wake up one day and here you are and you're sitting on two ninety nine. You're like, what the fuck? Uh, that's crazy to me. Um, so that, that's Don bomb. That, that was, uh, Kevin Hart actually helped me get over that. But until then I, I really ha- hadn't handled it well, to be honest with you. Uh, Andrew Roberts, when you and Jesse did 50 K in a call girl, did you know then she would be the mother of your kids? The chemistry in that movie between you guys was uh, phenomenal. Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate it. It's yes, I did. Um, there was something about her specifically and, uh, more importantly, it was our relationship, um, too, as, like best friends and the way we laughed and stuff together because you know, all of the other shit fades after a while sex and all that other bullshit. Like, um, you know, fades, not that you're not still fucking boning all the time, but you have kids and, and conversations and dinner parties and all of that other stuff that goes along with life. And if it's not your best friend, then you can't just date a fucking, you know, Brazilian supermodel all the time who doesn't speak English. Like you've got to have a conversation with them. And uh yeah. I, I knew that when when I was with her. And um and then it it all worked out, Andrew. So yeah, yeah, I did. Um next question, Dalton Gray. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Andrew Roberts got a follow-up. Uh was that movie just the greatest first date ever? Yes, it was. Um, but I also knew in 50K and a Call Girl Love Story, I also knew when shooting was done that, hey, man, you shoot a movie and it, and it feels like summer camp and it's all great. Then you get back to real life and, uh, you know, you got to be able to do shit that's normal and not have production pay for everything. And um, uh, I'm good at that because, you know, at that point I've done shit somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 25 movies, 26 movies or something like that at that point. Um, I'm good at that. Uh, I think Jesse missed part of that, though. Um, when she was just like, oh, fuck, we don't get to go to a new city and party every night and have the best meals on the planet? No, no, you don't, actually. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we came back to the real world, and uh, I, I kind of let her in on the behind the curtain on the business side of shit where it was just like, Hey, the movie was awesome. That was a great experience, but you got to move on to the next Dalton gray. Is it against man code to pee sitting down when it's the middle of the night? You just woke up and pee and you're tired as fuck. No, I've done it. Dalton. Uh, I've done it a good five or six times. I would say where I'm just like, man, I don't care. And and, and I could also just sleep on this toilet right now. Um, Colton Adams is the S or the C silent in scent. Come on, man. It's the C. That's an easy one. The C is silent in scent. You don't, you don't fucking need that shit. Uh, get the C out of there. Uh, Brian Buzzkirk. Where was your third date at with Jesse Wiseman? Um, tough to say because we were shooting the movie I believe, I mean, if you want to call this a date, um, I believe in that film, in 50K and a Call Girl, I, we, we had done a scene where I had gotten tattoos live on camera that day, and then we went to El Compadre next door afterwards to kind of drink away some of that pain. So I, I want to say it was El Compadre on Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles, California, Mexican joint 
with uh, the best margaritas on the planet. They've got these flaming margaritas. I'd say them and baby baby Acapulco's in uh, Austin was uh, is the best margaritas on the planet. But I think it was El Compadre on Sunset, by the way, which is still one of our favorite restaurants to this day. So and it's still open. Every time I go back to L.A., I always go to El Compadre. Um, <laughs> Lindsay Ann, this one's for Jesse Wiseman. When's when's she gonna make your best friendship official? And if you ever need a jingle for anything, holler at your girl Lindsay Haney up. Um, I'll tell her, Lindsay. She's not on the show today, but I'll let her know. Uh, Lauren Walker, have you looked into or do you believe in the Quanon theories? I believe it's Quanon. I've always just—it's always Q, Q this, Q that. Yes, Lauren, I have. I've looked into it, and um, we actually did a show on it on uh, Drinking Bros. Uh, the sister show, because I wanted to know more about it, and uh, Jared Taylor and those guys kind of filled me in. But here's what here's the weird thing that tipped me off. There was there was people on Facebook who were posting weird shit about Q knows this or Q knows that, and I didn't know what it was, so I started looking it up and then doing research on it on Twitter, and uh, and then Twitter led me to to Reddit, and then you know all the way down the, that rabbit hole of shit. Um, Yes, some of those theories I do believe in, Lauren. To 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 be real with you, others, you know, there's a, there's a lot of shit that's far fetched. But yeah, I believe that some of this is true. I believe that that not a lot of these things are are accidents that are going on, um, either things by the government or or things that are that people are doing that are cover ups for other shit. Um, and if you're if you're you're asking me why why I believe in this, um, some of the people that we've interviewed for drinking bros, like afterwards we'll go out, you know, some of these high level military guys and uh, we'll talk about the either secrets or things that I wanted to know about and ask them if, you know, certain things are real if, or if they're false. And um, look, they've answered me honestly. And uh, a lot of the things that I had thought or believed in um, were true. And that's all I'll say about that. I wish I could tell you who told me this, but uh, I've I've heard it from several several people. So yes, I think there is stuff stuff to those theories. Uh, Danny Ramirez is AT and T going to raise my bill when five G rolls out and is DARPA behind it? Yes, Danny, AT and T is going to rape you for the rest of your life, and that's what's going to happen. I, look, they'll probably converge into. Uh, an even bigger monopoly than they already are. They're, they look. They bought out Directv. They own them. Um, they own. Fuck. I think they. What was it? Time Warner. They just bought or whatever. They're gonna buy up as much shit as they possibly can, and then just keep raising the prices over and over and over again. Uh, because let's face it. Uh, once like T-Mobile and all that shit came out came out with um. You know, their 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 new plans, everybody lowered their rates, but then they're fucking sticking you with this internet bullshit and data. So yeah, you're gonna get hosed on this forever, man. We all are. Fucking sucks. I can't wait until you know, again, we've talked about this on the show, but like Facebook or whoever just gives away free internet, then all of this shit will be done for. Um including ATT. I'm sure they're gonna find another way to fuck you. But look, with these new phones and everything. I, like, there's no reason to buy a new phone. I have that new stupid fucking $1,500 phone from iPhone. And I got it simply because I'm in production. And I need more space for all these cities to go on. So uh, I, I can at least put more 
footage on there. And um, I, I, to be honest with you, man, it's not better than any other phone I've had. Really, it takes better pictures, and that's about it. But fuck, man. Um, that being said, I can keep this phone forever. The the gigs on it are so high. I, I it would be shocking if I reached five hundred and fifty six or whatever's on it. Uh, gigs and uh, with that they're gonna since I'm not buying phones they're gonna try to, to find another way to, to fuck me and that's gonna be in this 5G 5G shit and, and everything else man I can guarantee you that Danny long life of this uh, Taylor Holsey of all the skits and projects with JT Matt and the crew what's been the most and least memorable um, most memorable I would have to say Bitch I Operate is probably my favorite that they've done where it's just like I've sang it a million times and I know all the words on my own. Uh, least memorable, uh, probably their, their last Thanksgiving sketch. thought it was all right, um, but I'm always honest with them. Um, on my own, uh, whew, uh, of my own sketches, uh, I, I would say my favorite is We Are All Harambe. My least favorite sketch was that I've ever done was, um, and I think this is just with time. I did a sketch called uh, Abraham Lincoln Needs Rehab. I didn't think that was, it was okay. It didn't really tear my doors off or anything, but that's, that's mine. Uh, that was probably my least memorable one. If you want to be honest about it, I mean, I'm being like super unusually honest today. Uh, <laughs> Wesley, our nature. If you want to fight with a bear, would you fuck it to establish dominance? Only if there was people around. Um, you only fuck somebody out of dominance, like a, a man or a bear or some type of animal. If there's other people around and you're trying to prove a point. If if there's no one around and you're just fucking that bear, then then let's face it, you're just fucking that bear just to fuck a bear at that point. Because I mean, you could tell people the story, but if no one was there, gonna be like, dude, what was the point of that? Like nobody was there to witness this or saw you fuck that bear. You're just a disgusting motherfucker at that point. Uh, so yeah, I would, but it, there's got to be people around for sure to make it worthwhile. If not, I'm no, I'm not gonna just fuck a bear on my own, Wesley. Alex Johnson. What would be your dream film to make? Uh, my dream film to make is uh, I adapted the the music video Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. Um, that would be my dream film to make. Big, big fan of the Beastie Boys. And I that was probably one of my biggest disappointments was I had tried for, I don't know, six or seven years to get that movie made. Uh, I, I had given it to Adam Yock. Um, he had read it, um, and I had gotten a uh, a nice blessing off of that. Um, that was a nice uh, that was a nice thing before he he had passed away. And um, after that, man, I I I tried to get it to Danny McBride. I I was a huge fan of the guy who directed Black Dynamite, um, and you know. Fuck, man. It's hard to talk about because I love that movie so much. Um, I had finally gotten it to the to Scott Sanders who directed Black Dynamite. He agreed to do it. We just could never make that movie happen, man. 
And that's still my dream to this day. I, I love the script and I love the Beastie Boys and it would be an awesome tribute to them. And it's just a really, really fucking funny movie and it's super crazy. Um, but yeah, that that's my dream. Um, or look the, the, on the other, on the TV side, I love to make uh, at night. She cries while he rides a steed. When darkness falls, he doesn't catch it into a TV series. That's uh that's, that's probably the last dream I have left as far as film and television goes. Um, and then after that, I'm, I'm good for forever. Sean Roberts, how does Santa visit every single house in one night? You know what, Sean, there's a, a Kurt Russell movie on Netflix that just premiered with Kurt Russell playing Santa. So if you have any questions about that, uh, watch the Kurt Russell movie on Netflix that just started. That'll really clue you in on how Santa does it. Uh, Nicholas Worley. Ross Patterson is the Drinking Bros residence. Big Dick Daddy himself. Just how do you handle those immense responsibilities? And are there any perks provided by BRCC? You know, it's funny. So with all of these companies that we promote either on this show or drinking bros. Um, I fucking, we buy, I buy the products. I buy all the products for all this shit. So like black rifle coffee, I've been a genuine subscriber of black rifle coffee for a year and a half to their coffee club of the month. Um, I love it, man. It's, uh, it's my favorite coffee on the planet. If you don't buy your, your friends shit, chances are their company is going out of business. So, I don't do that to any of my friends. I always try to buy the products, even though they're always like, dude, you don't need to do that. I do it anyways, just because I love them. Uh, the perks are this though. I mean, shit, like you take the sports show, you know, I get to travel around and go to the the best sports shows on the planet. Black Rifle Coffee is the sponsor for this show and the drinking bros and they make that all possible. So I, the fact that I get to, you know, live out my dreams and go to the best sporting events on the planet or I have this year, at least like Jesus uh, that's probably the best perk that's that's they've provided um, for me personally, where it's just like, man, it's amazing. Um, and it, look, it's my best friend's company, too. It, it's always awesome when you can work with your best friends. It's just rare, and it's super hard to do. So uh, I'm grateful for all of that, to be honest with you. Tamara Cook, are you into pegging? No, no. That's one thing I never, never uh, got down on, nor am I interested in trying. Um, I've, I've had a finger in my ass for a couple exams and, um, once you go past the second knuckle, it is fucking deep, man. It, I mean, it's, that's too much. So pegging too much. I, I can't, couldn't take a full dildo in the ass. Just couldn't do it. Michael Hahn. Ah, come on, man. What's the best thing before sliced bread? Tits, tits, man. Tits are better than sliced bread. And I think they were here first. Samuel Person, where do babies come from? Asking for a friend, you know, um, they come, they come straight from the wiener, my man. A lot of people will say chicken before the egg and then it's coming it like out of the vagina. No, it's got to come from a man's penis first. So whenever a woman says, oh man, I'm, I'm doing all the work and I'm having the baby. You're not. We did it. We did it first. Come on. The baby shoots out of our wieners. Uh, Joshua Demenbrun, man, I, I know I'm butchered your name, Joshua, and I'm sorry. What was your inspiration when you wrote FDR American Badass? It is such a great film, but a hodgepodge of weird. It's a favorite of both myself and my father. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Um, 
my inspiration for that was, uh, man, I had written a movie about FDR and he was going to fight like gangsters in the, in the, the, the 1920s, 1930s. And it, it was, it was, uh, kind of like, you know, against like bootleggers and shit like that. So it was going to be like that. And then nobody would finance that. So at the time there was, a. Uh, a movie that had just sold to, I believe it was Fox, called Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. And jokingly, I had asked one of the financiers, I just said, look, this fucking movie sold. What if FDR was fighting werewolves instead of gangsters? And they were like, I was like, could you finance that? And they were like, yeah, 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 that we could fucking do. So I changed it to werewolves and uh, boom, movie got financed and it, uh, it, it, look, it's as weird and awesome as you hope. I love movies like that. I love movies that are making fun of the B movie genre in the seventies. And anybody who sees like those films, like, like, uh, FTR American badass or pool boy drowning out the fury, um, uh, Helen Keller versus night wolves. Like I enjoy making spoofing B movies from the seventies. I don't know why. I just think it's fucking hilarious, man. Um, I miss those movies. They don't make those movies anymore. So for me to spoof those is almost like a new genre, um, which is why I'm, you know, a huge fan of black dynamite. And to, to go back to the earlier question of what's my dream film. When I try to get Scott Sanders from black dynamite, I love people who make movies like that. And, uh, that make me laugh that are so bad. Uh, but these are on purpose. So it was kind of like taking the scary movie genre and twisting it to making fun of B movies from the seventies. Um, I just, I look, those trauma movies and all that shit were my jam. And, uh, I was, I don't know, man, I was always fascinated by those and, and they were just so fun that, that, you know, to do it on purpose, I thought was, was even funnier. And, um, look, these have been cult classics and lasted for a long time. So I'm stoked that you asked that. I love that movie. Um, Gordon Wagner, do you like it spicy? And what is your favorite heights, hot, the hot sauce, uh, Gordon? Um, yes. I, by the way, I love Gordon Wagner. He comments on every video we have on YouTube for Ross Patterson revolution podcast. And he'll give you the exact time code of where you like it actually comes in. And, uh, it's fucking hilarious. I love that you take the time. I love that you watch the shows. We're trying to make videos uh, bigger and, p- and part of our, our main concern uh, going forward from 2019. So thank you, uh, guys like Gordon, who have been down since day one with the video shows. Uh, my favorite hot sauce is uh, it's th- this one's going to be this gonna, is going to shock you. It's actually Asian and it's the spicy mustard. So that's that weird, hot, spicy mustard that you get you get for like egg rolls and shit like that i fucking love it and it is a sinus blaster i mean it'll clear out your nostrils asap and that 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 hot yellow spicy asian mustard that is my favorite on the planet hands down favorite hot sauce there is um, I love it, and I know that's a super fucking weird one because no, I, I don't. I've never seen anybody else eat that shit in real life besides me. Um, Thomas Rasmussen, does anyone ever really win at gay chicken? No, they don't. Um, they never ever win because even look, even if you take it as far as you can take it of either kissing another dude or or fucking another dude. 
Uh, you still have to live with that the rest of your life. And guess what? Joke's on you at that point. Joke's on you. Not everybody else who was watching you. Uh, Follow-up. If an Asian and an Indian, as in uh, from from India, had a child, would they become the next supreme leader? Whew, maybe, man. That would probably be the fucking smartest human on the planet. I'm surprised they that like like China hasn't brought over some uh, some people from India and just made them have kids to see if they could create the smartest human on the planet. Uh, let's face it, they're smarter than Americans. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm sure that's something the government's doing. Next question is from Sean Roadhouse Lara. Big fan of that middle name. One of my favorite movies, by the way, Roadhouse. I heard, by the way, I heard they remade it with fucking, uh, God damn it, what's her nuts, Ronda Rousey. And if that's true and that ever sees the light of day, I might, I might kill myself live on the show. What made you decide to get into podcasting and how was your startup process? Sean, I got into podcasting uh, actually through Jesse. So, you know, I love making movies. However, they're so tedious and it's such a massive mountain to climb. It's a miracle that like any of these actually ever get made and I love acting and the problem with it is when you own your own production company and you're doing you know one or two movies a year you're not really acting all of that much I mean it's it's only you know four or five days here or there so if you look at it throughout the year once you're you're in it and actually making these films and all of this stuff you're probably genuinely only really acting like maybe two to three weeks out of the year. Well, I loved improv and, uh, I had asked my wife, I was like, yo, what's, what's the next thing out there that's, that's going on that everybody's doing that, you know, you could talk every day and, and communicate with people and, and have fun and instead cause like, dude, even making these sketches is fucking hard. We have a, a sketch coming out um, this week about uh, another rap song. The fucking thing takes like a month just because the editing process is tedious. Writing the song is tedious. You got to get a producer to mix it. All that other shit. Like it's a, it's a bitch. And she was like, you, you should look into podcasting. And look, I had heard about it and, and it wasn't really that big at the time. And um, uh, initially it was Mark Marin. So Mark Marin was one of the first I listened to in Joe Rogan and I love the fact that you could communicate and be funny and do shit uh, spontaneously all the time, every single day, if you wanted to, um, where I didn't have that in acting um, because, you know, I knew that I can improv and, and that was my, that's my f- favorite part about acting and doing comedy is improv and all that stuff. But, you know, when you're only acting truthfully two to three weeks out of the year, uh, there's a lot of time to fill where you're like, man, I wish I was doing other shit that I could be funny on or share my views on or opinions. And then podcasting came along and I think we got in right at the right time before it got crazy saturated. Like it is today where, you know, every celebrity and their mother's got to have a podcast. None of them really last cause you know, they go off and do other shit and they don't treat it seriously. Whereas we do. And I love the show and this is pretty much both shows that I'm that I do. This is pretty much the only outlet that I have that is extremely spontaneous. You can talk about what's going on in the world today up to the very minute or second. Or you know, I love when breaking news and weird shit happens um, live, like right on the show. I mean, right now, Penny Marshall just passed away. She was one of my favorites of all time. Like being able to be live and and talk about that 
um, or talk about how much I love Penny Marshall or how much I love Big uh, or A League of Their Own, um, which were two of my favorites. Like, you know, my mom grew up watching Laverne and Shirley, man. And uh, I remember that being on in the background all the time. Like, um, being able to, to to communicate and tell people how much you love about something or someone or or something that affected you throughout the day instantaneously um, rather than just writing a, a, a Facebook post or something it is amazing. And I love the spontaneity and improv improvisation you have with, with podcasts. Plus all the cool people I get to meet and talk to. I, I would never get to do this through just acting. So I look, I love podcasting, man. It's, it's become like almost my favorite thing in life. And um, I don't know that I'll ever stop doing it, to be honest with you. Uh, the startup process was just kind of learning, you know, the equipment, um, how to put it together, how to fully form a show, and um, making sure that there was a, a beginning, middle, and end to the, the stories you're, and, and things you were talking about rather than just, you know, a rambling road of nonsense for fucking two hours about nothing like you know you should ask real questions and and try to talk about what other people are talking about and try to at least cover the topics in an honest and genuine way of of what's going on in the world that you're not getting from other media outlets because i think the media is all bullshit right now i mean i would say 90 percent of it i think is all lies and bullshit and they're just doing it to sell you know, ads and, and other shit, which is fine, but um, it's not news anymore. It's just opinions. And if you're going to listen to people's opinions, might as well listen to them on a podcast. Because, uh, I mean, look, you're just getting my opinion and Jesse's opinion on this show or, or Drinking Bros. Um, you know, because, look, let's face it, the news isn't giving you the news. So they're giving you their opinion. Why not listen to us? And I love it. I love podcasting. So I, I don't think this will go away for a very long time. Um, Wesley Hunter, how much pot do you typically consume? Do you eat it or smoke it like the native Americans? Great question. I don't, I had talked about this with Jesse the other day with the, with the, the, the shops that are popping up all over the nation with, you know, weed being essentially legal almost everywhere nowadays. Um, I don't see people smoking weed anymore. So like, you know, actual flower weed itself not a lot. It's just that's nobody does it. Everybody uses vape pens or edibles and shit like that. Um, me personally, like, a, yeah, look, a vape pen or an edible, good to go. You're good to go in this world. Um, but I don't, I don't consume. I don't do, I don't, I'm not one of those like daily pot smokers or I could never be like that. I'm more like a concert and, uh, uh, or, you know, can't sleep type of guy. That, that's about it. Um, partially look partially because I, I get too much going on in my day and I can't work on it. Can't do shit high. So, uh, it's just never been my jam. Whereas look, there's a lot of people I work with who just wake up, smoke weed all day. They're totally normal and awesome with their life. And you're like, look good on you, man. I just can't fucking do that shit. Um, the other part is you got kids. You can't be fucking high around your kids, you know, running around fucking, Hey, look at that. No, let me fucking crawl inside your dollhouse. Like, eh, it's just not cool as a fucking parent. But, uh, you know, again, concerts and shit like that. Yeah, you still get down on it because it, it look, it, it goes away after a couple hours. So it's a, it's a good drug. It should be legalized everywhere. Michael Gomez. 
Um, who's both your celebrity smash passes? Jesse's I can answer. It's fucking Benicio del Toro. Mine, ugh, mine changes. Um, and it changes on how much I hate them online. Like the, the more and more I get to know about them and you're like, oh man, like I, I easily would have said Jennifer Lawrence. Easily would have just rolled into that answer. But then, you know, you see like, oh, I'm taking a year off to get into politics. And you're like, fuck off with that shit. Um, so it, it changes. Back in the day, I would have said Alyssa Milano, but I hate her so much now um, because of her politics and her fucking Twitter and shit. Like, I, n- no, like unbelievably repulsed by it. Could I get through it? Sure. But uh, super repulsed by it. Um, so I, I, I'd have to go with somebody weird these days, you know? Uh, I'd have to go with like a, I like some weird porn star or something like that, you know? Like a Gianna Michaels or something, just to do it, I think, at this point. But uh, most of the celebrities, I'd throw down on Jennifer Aniston, too, I'd say. But uh, most of the celebrities, eh, it's boring. It's fucking boring. Um, James Burton. If I buy one of those reindeer onesies from Walmart and cut the antlers off, would you relaunch Boombox Bigfoot? Look, man, James, I'd love to make that fucking movie. Uh, I think I think that movie would have been hilarious. It was awesome. It's it goes into that category of St. James Street James movies where you're making fun of you know B movies and it's a, it's a spoof of the '70s movies. That's what that was going to be. I don't. I, it's all financing, man. I I wish there was like a billionaire out there who just said, "Here, here Ross, here's fucking ten million dollars. Go make a bunch of these weird movies." Because um, I totally do it, but. Uh, man they just don't make this like they don't make this shit anymore financiers don't finance this shit anymore like it it is next to impossible and you know i think if netflix or somebody like that made a tv show out of that uh that would be the way to do it look i had sold it as a tv show uh saint james street james is a tv show and every friday night there was going to be a new one of these um but ifc fucking jacked it i signed the deal i jacked it and uh you know they can they got together with Will Ferrell and just took the idea and did it with him, which fucking sucked. And there was a lawsuit and all that other shit. But um, I think it would work great in that format. But I think that's the only way you can even pass those movies by nowadays, which sucks, man. That sucks to say. So, um, no, I, I I don't know if that movie will ever get made, to be honest with you. Uh, Nick Edwards. Um what got you into your line of work, such as making movies, acting podcasts, and writing books? It is always something I'd wanted to do. Um, my, I guess the easy answer is this, is like as a kid, you think you want to be like a firefighter, like a basketball player, or whatever, which was mine. I, I was like, I'm going to be an NBA player. I was great at basketball growing up. Um, I was unaware that uh, white kids don't really become great NBA players, unless you're from Europe. Um, and when I was, I was in, like, I had gotten invited to play on one of those AAU teams where you play like, you know, the best of the best from all over the state, like those Nike tournaments and all that bullshit. And there was a guy named Sharif Abdul Rahim who ended up playing in the NBA for many years. Um, and I was 15 years old and we knew that we were playing, them in this AU tournament and all these people had come out to see him 
and he was going to be an, an NBA superstar and all that shit. That was like my first chance of like, all right, I, I'm getting to play against the best of the best. Let's see how great I am. Short answer, I wasn't. I wasn't good enough. Um, opening tip-off was me versus him. He got tipped to the ball, um, ran down the court. I ran back to try to stop him. The only thing I remember is looking up from the floor, and he's hanging above the rim over me. And I can see his dick and balls through his sh- like uh, like underneath his shorts hanging in my face. And he, he had just dunked on me, and I was on the floor. And I... I vividly remember that because it had never happened to me and uh we got rolled that game it was like 88 to 28 i think was the final and we were staying at university of georgia uh their their campus we went back to a dorms we were staying in dorms it was during the summertime and i took out a book one of those old black and white like this is my fucking journal or diary book or whatever it was and i was like at that moment i knew i was not good enough to be an nba player 15 years old and I, I I made a list of what I was good at, or I thought I could be the best at in this world. And I thought I was funny, and I thought I could could do great shit in you know movies and act, like acting and all that other stuff. And um, so I I focused all of my energy into that. I still played sports, but I knew it was going to be nothing more than a hobby uh, at that point for the rest of my life, um, and that I would never be in the NBA. And you know, looking back on it. I, as a 15-year-old kid, I don't even know how I had the 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 hindsight or the vision to fucking look at that one moment and say, "Great, you're not you're you're not good enough to do this in this world. Um do something else with your life." But uh that's when it started and it was yeah, I was like 15 years old, man, and I I made a a plan and a pact that comedy was it. Um the very next when I turned 16, I think the the day that I got my driver's license, um, I started driving downtown on my own and, and going and doing open mics and stand up and all that stuff. And I did that for eight years. Um, I didn't even my, like my parents didn't even know I was driving into downtown Atlanta to do it. But, uh, at 15, I knew what I was, I was going to do. Obviously media changes. I didn't know podcasts would be a thing or, um, the writing aspect. I didn't know either because I was never really interested in it in high school. Um, I enjoyed writing my favorite books are biographies and things like that. And, uh, um, I enjoyed writing about real people, uh, which, you know, we'll take you back to like FDR American badass or Darnell Dawkins, mouth guitar legend, where there was a bunch of real people in it. Same with all of my books. There's real people in it, um, over in history, but, uh, I didn't enjoy writing that much. And I think it was because I never enjoyed what I was writing about. Um, so I didn't know that was going to be a thing. But I definitely knew comedy was it, and it was hell or high water at 15 on the rest of my life to try to do that, because that that was the thing that I thought that I was genuinely great at, and if I applied all my my time and energy into something that, that I could actually make something out of myself was, was that, and it was that one moment that that dude fucking dunked on me. Um, strange story, but it's totally fucking true. And uh, Sharif Abdul-Rahim, if you're out there, congratulations. You made a brilliant person off of that dunk. <laughs> uh, Randy Ward, he asks, um, any plans for a sequel to Range 15? And where can I buy a copy of the movie? Yes, look, I look, I wrote Rescue 16. 
Um, again, I turned that in uh, December 1st of 2016. I think those guys are too busy, and I don't know that it'll ever happen, to be honest with you, which is a shame because I, I actually really like that script, and uh, I would really... I think everybody enjoyed that movie so much that uh, it deserves to be to have a sequel, but uh, trying to pull all those people together now, uh, three years later or whatever it is. Um, I I think it's going to be too tough. Where can I buy a copy of that movie? I actually don't know. Um, I always point people to Amazon, but I really don't know. After I make these things, I put them out into the world and I really don't pay attention to like all of the avenues and digital, you know, outlets and all that shit that they go to. I always assume Amazon and iTunes, but, uh, that's my best call on that. Uh, David Post, if you could do a biopic of any figure, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Easy. That's uh, Ric Flair. If I could do a biopic on somebody, it would definitely be Ric Flair. I think I could beef up to that size, and I don't know anybody else with a personality big enough to play Ric Flair. Plus, he has such a crazy, awesome, interesting, wild life story that... I think that would crush on the big screen, and that would be an epic, epic biopic. So, of of anybody, it would definitely be Ric Flair. Plus, I wrote, I, I read his, uh, uh, not wrote it, but I, I read his his biography, um, and it was fucking rad. I just, I, I think that I would, I would be the only guy that could do him justice on the big screen. <laughs> Sorry, I'm choking on this next question here. <laughs> Philip Aubin, Ross, I think it's Aubin, A-U-B-I-N. Um, <coughs> this is really funny. Ross, when you played the role of baseball player in, in Miracle in Lane 2, <coughs> did you expect your life to get to the point that it is now, and are you happy with the results thus far? That movie came to theaters the week before my high school graduation. So much has happened since 2000. I've learned that anything and everything can happen in life. We're all just turds floating in the rapids. Philip, a funny story about Miracle in Lane 2 that helped get me my SAG card. Um, And I actually had lines in it. Um, If you watch that movie, it's with Frankie Munez from Malcolm in the Middle. And... If you watch it, I will, you will not see me in it. And what happened was, was, uh, I was originally like an extra in it and, uh, you got to do extra work and get like back in the day used to, I don't know what it's like now, but you had to get these three vouchers, um, from, from SAG movies, Screen Actors Guild movies that's, uh, Hey, I was in this and, um, uh, you get your three vouchers and then you get your SAG card. So I had had lines in that and I had to carry Frankie Munez above my head in a wheelchair. It was about like a a kid who was in a wheelchair who had like all these dreams of like doing great things in the world. And then and, and in this one scene, he had won, like hit a home run and won the baseball game. And I had to carry him around the bases in this wheelchair. So I carried Frankie Munez above my head in this wheelchair. And then I was like, way to go. You did it. You did it. And the movie came out around Christmas time and I, I just moved to LA and I was having my first Christmas at home and I told my parents and everything and I was like, Hey, I'm in this movie and it's going to be on the Disney channel and it's fucking awesome around Christmas. And they get to that scene. They had cut my head out of it 
and you could only hear the words that I was saying and see my arms. And it literally could have been anyone. (laughs) So no, looking back at that movie in particular, absolutely not. Um, The rest of it, yes, I envisioned, but uh, not that. But to this day, I think of how heavy it was to carry that fucking wheelchair above my head with Frankie Munez in it. And uh, yeah, what a strange, surreal day that was. Um, Because he was already huge at that point. And it was just like, man, like this kid's worth a gajillion dollars and I'm just carrying him above my head in a fucking wheelchair. I could drop this kid at any moment, just ruin his whole fucking career. Um, obviously didn't do that <laughs> because that would be unprofessional, but, uh, yeah, what a strange day. Uh, uh, what a weird movie. Um, there's an even weirder story about that trying to get a sad card and all that shit for another show. But, uh, it's really funny. You brought up miracle and lane too. Still grateful for it. Still grateful for, for all of these jobs, by the way, any movie I've ever done. I, I don't even give a shit if I get cut from them. I'm, I'm grateful for the experience. Jerome Walter Wymore. What's it like to be a member of not one, but three of the best podcasts out there? It's great, man. Um, I love it. Look, Drinking Bros uh, podcast is its own beast. And uh, it's awesome, man, because I, I, I get to talk to people in all walks of life that I never in a million years would have thought that I, I've gotten to talk to. And we've done some of those fucked up shit in the world on that show. Um, most importantly though, I do it with my best friends and you know, when you get caught up in companies and businesses and all this other shit, weeks or months or years go by that you don't talk to your best friends and then you try to catch up and try to make plans is usually doesn't work out. This is different. Like we do the show twice a week on drinking bros and it, it is, I am forced to sit down and talk to my best friends and interact with them and travel with them and do all that shit. And, uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. I'm super, super grateful for drinking bros. Uh, I love it, man. And it, look again to, to work with your best friends, uh, twice a week is, is fucking amazing. Drinking bros sports. Um, that's the, the second show you're referring to on Wednesdays is incredible because it's, man, I get to travel and go to the best games on the planet. I get to talk to athletes. It is that show this year, which is brand new, has been a dream come true. And that one happened out of Drinking Bros got so big that when they legalized sports gambling um, in all 50 states with the Supreme Court, uh, they said, hey, you know, we partnered up with a, a bookie company, mybookie.com, and they said, hey, we'd like to take the, 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 the 10 biggest podcasters who know about sports and get into that. And then you guys talk about spreads and do all that other stuff. We'll help you get interviews and athletes and tickets and all that fun shit. And, uh, I jumped on it. Um, loved going to Vegas with, with, uh, with the fam, um, as a kid and all that stuff. And, uh, I always been on sports when I was there. Never, I've never had like a real life bookie in real life. I dated one for many years, but, um, I never really bet on shit on my own or with like that neighborhood guy. I'm, I'm, I was, I was one of those guys who only bet on it in Vegas and, uh, or Atlantic city when I was there. Uh, the show is different, you know, with, with the drinking bro sports thing, but, um, but yeah, I, 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 that show is a, is a dream. Like, I, I feel like I'm literally living out a fucking childhood dream. Like I, I'm on the field for a lot of these events and I'm talking to my favorite athletes and seeing, you know, 
the best games that I sit home and watch anyways, but now I'm in, you know, like the fifth row on like the 50 yard line or at the McGregor fight or whatever. And it's, it's amazing. Ross Patterson revolution is fucking awesome because it's me and my wife and you know, we do the show three days a week and it's super topical. So we don't have a lot of guests and I don't even know, even when we do have guests, it's not, I think people are more psyched to hear the interaction between Jesse and I than they are to hear interviews of me and whatever X celebrity is simply for the fact of, I do that on drinking bros a lot already and they come for the interaction and, uh, and they love Jesse a lot. And, you know, also just being married to my co-hosts in the, in this show, um, we get to spend a lot of time together because we're doing the show and, you know, with two kids and as crazy as our life is, it's a good hour and a half out of our day where we sit down face to face, eye to eye, and have conversations. And that's key for any relationship in the, in the world. And uh, yeah, man, I, all three are completely 100% different. All three are completely amazing and exciting. So I, I look, I hope all three don't end. Um, so we'll see. We'll see going forward. But uh, that's 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 what it's like, man. It's it's amazing, uh, all the way around. I have fucking zero complaints um, in this world with those. Um, Jimmy Fisher, can you still kick a football with those sexy legs like you used to send it? You know, goddamn right, I can. Um, I look. I haven't played. I haven't been out there in a while. But I'm looking forward to uh, from my boys growing up, so I can get back out there. But I'm I'm sure I still got it, Jimmy. I'm sure I still got it. Uh, Matt Kirby, what's it like to be famous? Do you realize that you guys are still celebrities? And with that fandom, does it ever get to you? Do you and, and Jesse love the spotlight? Also, do you and Jesse ever struggle or have in the past with relationship uh, or financial part of it? I imagine being somewhat hard. I imagine it being somewhat hard, even though you two seem like the coolest fucking people alive. Uh, also, can I get Eliza, Eliza Dushku's phone number? Oh, and what do you think about getting paid off by the CBS higher ups? You may have covered this in a previous episode. I'm behind on like the last three. I will answer all of these in order, Mac. As I take a huge sip of water. Uh, What's it like to be famous? I don't feel like I've been massively, massively famous. Where I feel like I've been the guy where you're like, dude, I fucking know you, man. Um, You know, starring in all these movies and shit. I never like... I, I don't think I'm famous enough that I was like on a first name basis of, or, or, you know, Hey, you're dude, you're the fucking dude from this. Um, strangely enough, like, it, look, when I started my career with like teen movies and all that shit, I would get, and I still do like, Hey, you're the dude from the new guy or accepted or whatever. Um, but they didn't know my name. Uh, when we do the podcast though, it's different. Um, now people come up and they're like, shit, dude, I, I listen to you every single day at work or in my car or whatever. You're Ross Patterson, and that's different. And I, me personally, like the fame and all that that, that shit. I I like it because uh, that means people are listening to the show or watching my movies or reading my books, and I'm super grateful for it. Um, me and Jesse just don't care. Like we're real people, and we don't really give a shit. So we're we're grateful for anybody that comes up and says anything to us or all that shit all the time. Like it's, it's fucking awesome. Um, fame. I will say this for a lot of people is hard. Um, because it exposes who you really, really are. 
And for a lot of the people who were famous, uh, they were shitty people to begin with. So there's a lot of people that I've worked with over the years. When, once they got famous, uh, they they were assholes to people. And they, they were assholes before that. A lot of people seek fame to either fill a hole or, or a void in their life where they're like, man, fame is going to fix it all. I'll get famous and show them. That wasn't why I did it. Um, I genuinely like making and creating projects and I love comedy and laughter and, you know, doing stand up and all that shit and podcasts. So I, you know, my thing wasn't to get famous, to get back at people. My thing is, is like to get as famous as possible to make as many projects as I can to use that fame in a good way. And, you know, the best example of that, who I talked about earlier was Kevin Hart and, like you'll never meet a more happier positive dude than Kevin Hart is. And it's for that reason, because he's doing it for the right reason to get famous, not the other fill a gap or a, a void or whatever. Cause that, that shit doesn't go away. I mean, I have a ton of friends who are famous and uh, they're miserable just simply because the, the, it wasn't what they thought when they got famous. They just, it didn't fill the void of, of whatever they were already missing. So uh, me personally, like I fuck, I've always had great friends and family. I, I love it. And I love all the shit that I do. So yeah, man, you want to take a picture or fucking all sign shit. I don't give a fuck when you see me out, man. And everybody will tell you that. Um, so I think it's rad. Uh, and I, and I don't mind it. Same with Jesse. She doesn't really care. She doesn't like public speaking very much. Um, or interviews. She's terrible at that. And she'll tell, she'll tell you that. Uh, do in the, the next question, do, do you ever struggle uh, with your relationship with the financial part of it. Of course, man, everybody goes through that. Um, I'd be lying to say otherwise. You know, relationship-wise, uh, marriages are work. And if you care and love about the other person, it's it's a lot of fucking hard work that goes into it. It's just everything isn't, isn't you know, kitten dicks and kaleidoscopes all the time. And you've got to work at, at a relationship for it to last years. Um, you could lust after somebody and that would be a, a very short thing. Um, that's not going to last very long. Um, but if you want a, a long lasting relationship with kids and family and all that other stuff, um, yeah, man, at, at times it's a struggle and, you know, especially with kids, the struggle is trying to make time for yourselves to either go on a date or a trip or do things where you're with that other person and, uh, and it's not, you know, just about the kids or whatever, because you still have to work on that part of your relationship as well. Uh, the financial aspects of it. Yeah, man. The, the financial struggle of all of that shit um, was, you know, Jesse met me in the height of making like, I, I think, I think I had four movies in post-production at the same time out of my production company. And I've talked about this before. Like I used all my money um, that I had in this world um, friends, family had helped out as well and all that other shit to, to make all these movies and do all this stuff. And, um, yeah, man, until, you know, shit started either coming out and, or books and all that other stuff. Like, dude, you're, you're constantly, whenever you have your own business, you're constantly throwing your own money back into it. You're not really paying yourself. You're not really doing in that shit. And, uh, it's like anything in this world, man. If you're struggling financially, it doesn't matter in the entertainment industry or whatever, and you're constantly throwing money back into your own company, and anybody who else who has their own company out there can attest to this. Like, there's going to be fights, man. 
Um, because it's like you, you want other things or you want to try to do other things or you can't do other things and all the money's got to go back into your company. And it, it is hard. It, it is stressful. And, and yeah, financially that, that takes its hole in your personal relationship. And that, that doesn't change no matter what you do entertainment industry wise or other. Um, so yeah, yeah, we've gone through shit like that for sure. Um, you know, even though I, I'm, I'm sorry for the pause, but I'm reading over your, the rest of your question. Uh, we seem like the coolest fucking people alive. I really appreciate that. We probably are, but, um, look, we would be even cooler if we were like worth a hundred million dollars. I can promise you that all the fucked up shit you would want us to do. Like we would really do it. Um, and that it would be even better at that point. Um, but yeah, in, in real life, no, we're both pretty cool down to earth. Like whoever's met us, fuck man, we're always down to hang or drink or do whatever. And, uh, pictures, all that other shit, like, uh, all of that is genuine. Um, same struggles with, with life that everybody else has. So I, I can't look, neither one of us can complain about shit because it's, it's not really different than when anybody else is going through at home. So, uh, just cause you have a podcast or a movie or whatever or books, uh, that doesn't really change um, your normal day-to-day shit. You know, if your kid pushes somebody down on the playground, you're still going to have to deal with it just the way anybody else is. So, fuck it. Uh, can you get Eliza's number? No. No, you can't get Miss Dushku's number. I'm sorry. I cannot give that to you. Uh, but what I can tell you this, and because your next question was, how do I feel about her getting paid off by the CBS higher-ups? Obviously, that was a big story over the weekend. She got a, a $9.5 million settlement for sexual harassment on the set of bull on CBS. Um, here's what I can, cause I've gotten on this message a lot about Eliza and here's what I can say, man. I worked with her and the new guy. Um, and she was one of the, the best people I've ever met, known, worked with all of that across the board. She's exactly what you're hoping for. She is a tomboy, uh, down to fucking back in the day. I don't, I don't, I haven't talked to her maybe four or five years, but, um, back in the day, like she was the ultimate, like fucking down a drink, bro down, hilarious, funny, uh, through awesome parties was just a, a great person and, uh, had a, has super thick skin because she's been in the business since she was a child. She was in true lies. So when I saw this pop up over the weekend, um, the only thing that I could think is, Eliza, it, it must have been really bad for Eliza to say something that because otherwise she's just not that type of person and uh, she'll let a lot of shit slide past and she's always down for jokes and all that other shit. So like it must have been something really fucked up because she's cool enough to let that shit go. The, the other part of this Eliza Dushku story that I that I can tell you with 100 percent certainty is if she was trying to fuck somebody over and go after money, she would have sued CBS. Instead, she did not sue CBS. She went to the Screen Actors Guild for mediation because she was fired off of a show that she was going to be a regular on. And she went to mediation to say, hey, here's why I got fired off of this show. And here's why I think I deserve the rest of my salary. That is way, way, way different than, you know, uh, like a Me Too sitch where... 
you know, you publicly file this big lawsuit and go out with Gloria Allred and do the whole fucking song and dance to try to get fucking money and try to slander somebody and go after their shit and make a big deal out of it. She didn't. And this story was leaked, man. Uh, this was all private and confidential. She can't talk about it. And I don't think anybody will ever know the real story to this. But I can tell you this. There was obviously something to it. If Screen Actors Guild got involved and made CBS uh, mediate, get together and, and pay out the sum of money that she was owed um, over the next, you know, those, those TV contracts you sign are about six years. So that's probably what she would have made over the course of that six years, which is why I'm guessing at that number, that nine and a half million that came in. But uh, it would have it would have had to have been something really bad. One, two, mediation doesn't fuck around with Screen Actors Guild. So. They obviously found something, man. I don't know what it was, uh, and I'll never be privy to that information. Um, and even in person, this isn't. Uh, even though we're, we're friends, uh, and I haven't seen her in a while, I, I, w- I wouldn't even probably bring this up. To be honest with you, like this type of shit happens in the entertainment industry, and uh, I'm sure she doesn't want to fucking dwell on it and just wants to move on with her life. But uh, I, I will say this, man: if she was going for the fame and the attention. And all that shit, she could have filed a big lawsuit, went to TMZ and all that other shit and didn't. She went to Screen Actors Guild like a professional and she got a mediator involved and then let them decide. So um, I don't know that this story wouldn't have come out if, if it wasn't leaked. And I didn't know anything about it, to be honest with you. And nobody else did either. That's how under wraps this was. Uh, Josiah Jensen, in your experienced opinion, what is the funniest gay sex scene in existence? This is an awesomely hilarious question um, because everybody who knows me knows <laughs> that I love, 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 love <laughs> a good hardcore graphic gay scene in a movie like Behind the Candelabra or Brokeback Mountain. Nothing makes me laugh harder than when I'm watching a movie and I see a hardcore gra- a graphic gay all male sex scene. Um <laughs> So, if we're going on my personal favorite or the funniest one that I saw, it had to have been Matt Damon fucking Michael Douglas and Behind the Candelabra. Um, It was just the camera. It was the angle of the camera. Like, it was so close on them. And you could see both of their faces. And just Matt Damon really, really going for it. Because he was fucking Michael Douglas. And it looked like Michael Douglas had taken, like, a popper. Like, you know, right as, right as Matt Damon came and, uh, holy shit. I laughed for a thousand years at that. Cause I think Matt Damon was also in prosthetics cause li- it was, it was the Liberace biopic on HBO. And, <laughs> and I think that was like, we were already at the scene where Liberace had made him start to get plastic surgery to look like a younger version of him. So that one was easily my favorite and super shocking and holy fuck. I laughed. I mean, really, really hard. Uh, Ken Murray. What's up, Ken? I love Ken Murray. Uh, Boston film critic. Um, great dude. Meat Love said he would do anything for love, but he won't do that. What is that? I Look, I think that, Ken, is reverse cowboy. Um, I, think, I think he'd do pretty much everything except for reverse cowboy. Because let's face it. You can get, like, as a dude, you could get fucked in the ass. And, like, again, if it's out of dominance or something, you get dominated. Nothing you can do. You just got fucking dominated. 
But that is like, that's like to do reverse cowboy where you're riding another dude facing the other way. It takes, it takes some agility, some strength and like, like in, in balancing and all that stuff and quads, like that's a lot of fucking work. I think that that's what that is. And I won't do that. It's reverse cowboy. Ken, um, Wesley Hunter, how big's the old serpent? I'm dying to know. Slang in an Ocho, Wesley. If you read the books, you know that. It's just, it's just, it's just a classic Ocho. And that's Spanish for eight. And I do that in the St. James Street James accent, too, as well. Uh, Kyle Starkweather. SNL did a daddy skit with Matt Damon last week. I just thought you and the wife should know. You know, it's funny, man. Everybody, daddy. Everybody hit me up after that. And... um uh, the similarities in that sketch to what Jesse always does on the show um, and her bit about that was just too close, man. I, I think a writer probably listens to the show and then just ripped it and then did it. Um, but yeah, it was fucked up. I look, SNL steals a lot. That's, that's something they don't tell you. Um, so I, you know, you go into SNL, there's 20 fucking writers, maybe more that are trying to get their material on. You're trying to go for the best shit. That one I did feel like it was ripped from Jesse, to be honest with you, from from the show. Um, so when I, when we watched that together, uh, both of us were like, yo, what the fuck? I mean, it was way, way, way too close uh, to Jesse's shit that, that she always says. So, yeah. That, I, I, didn't, I didn't dig that one. Uh, Joshua Nyus. N-E-U-S-E. Is there anything that can make a grown D'Anthony cry? No. Like, there's nothing in this world. D'Anthony D'Anthony is my uh, co-host on Drinking Bro Sports. He is a natural-born killer. Has killed hundreds of people. And no, like, I can't imagine anything in the world making that guy cry. And that's an honest answer. Dead serious. Uh, Rocky D. Wood Jr. Would you go pheasant hunting with us? Um. If not, will you try to do a podcast with Neebs Gaming? I don't know who Neebs Gaming is, first of all. I'm not big into uh, video games. Um, Not because I don't think they're great or whatever. It's just uh, too time-consuming, and I've always focused on writing. If I was playing video games, I probably wouldn't get anything done. Um, Pheasant hunting, I haven't been in years, man. I think the last time I went was in high school. Um. Yeah. I. I look. I. I'd, I'd give it a go. I'd rather go hunt deer or something like that. Something I could. I could eat that night. Uh, I had some fresh access deer with Matt Bess while I was at his house, and uh, that was some of the lo- the most delicious meat on the planet. I'd rather go like hunt for deer or elk, to be honest with you. But eh, I, yeah. So that that's my answer. Let, let, let's switch it to deer or elk, and I'm down. Pheasant hunting. It's. I don't know what you're gonna do with that. To be honest with you. Uh, it's fun, but uh, I don't know what you're going to do with it. Harry Kelly, it's my birthday. Can I get a birthday shout out from Gene Vanenham? You sure can, Harry. Hey, Mr. Kelly, this is Gene Vandenham. I'd like to wish myself a happy birthday instead of you, because let's face it, I deserve it more. There you go, uh, Harry. Andrew Ball, ah, from Stateside Vodka. Love Andrew. Fucking great dude. How did you meet Jared and all of them? And how did the podcast get started? Met Jared um, 
through an email, actually, through a mess, message on Facebook. He had watched FTR American Badass on uh, Netflix. Uh, him and I think Rocco and some other people were in his garage. And he said, dude, this is the funniest movie ever. We've got this movie, Range 15. Uh, we'd love for you to direct it. And can I send it to you? We're a bunch of military veterans. And um, we're trying to make this movie with all veterans. And I think it would be rad. And uh, as soon as I read the veteran thing, I was in. I get a lot of messages about reading scripts and shit like that all the time. And um, I try I try not to make it a practice. But then when he said, dude, I'm a veteran at the end of it, I was like, ah, uh, shit. If I don't read this, I'm an asshole. Um, so I did. And, uh, and then uh, I watched all their videos. So I watched um, all of Matt Best's videos. And obviously Jared and Rocco and those guys were in them. I thought they were fucking hilarious. And I was like... I wasn't that crazy about the script, so I just said, look, I'm not crazy about the script, but I could rewrite this for you to help you get this to a place of, of, of what I think you really want. And um, so I flew out to El Paso and uh, stayed with Jared for a week and worked on the script and met all those guys, and it was fucking awesome, and we became best friends instantly. Um, the podcast kind of happened uh shortly thereafter right after making the movie maybe um we had uh we had all chatted and you know we were already on this like group message text uh for a long time anyways and after that i think it was jared or you know had recognized like the podcast world and and i had sat with him and i just said hey man have you guys ever thought about doing this and like we had but it didn't really work and we didn't have a moderator who could steer the conversation. So um, I was like, man, I think I could be that guy for you and do this and, and help with interviews and all that shit. So kind of all of us together um, did it. And then, man, that exploded pretty quickly. So much so that we we did the, you know, Ross Patterson revolution after that. Um, just because I, I knew that there was a giant appetite for it. And I, I enjoy doing podcasts that much. So that's kind of how all of that started, Andrew. And uh, dude, thank you, thank you for for having us at your event in uh, in Philly at the Army Navy game. It was fucking awesome. State stateside vodka is uh, one of my favorite vodkas on the planet right now. Uh, John Templeton, is there any plans in the future for another veteran movie? Um, you have more than anyone connections in Hollywood to our story. Uh, yes, I, again, man, I would love to. I would love to make uh, Rescue 16 or The Janitor or one of these movies. Um, I don't I don't know if these guys want to do any more movies, so to be honest with you. And um, if you're going to do a veteran movie, I say this. I say make it with real veterans um, in it and make make them a part of it. And I think that, that, that helps your movie not only do better in the box office and you know later on down the road – but it adds credibility to it, and uh, I don't really have an interest in making a, a military movie with just Hollywood actors. Um, there's plenty of other like talented veterans out there who can star in their own shit, and um, you know that was proved, I think, with Range 15. And um, uh, so, no, I wouldn't do one with Hollywood actors, but I would, I would definitely do one with with uh, Matt and Evan and Jared and, and Rocco and those guys for sure. Uh, Matthew Schweitzer. If you couldn't work in the entertainment industry to include podcasting, um, what would you like to do for a living? Who, man, that is a 
That is a really tough question. Uh, I would I would say I would write books full time. That would probably be it. Um, but I love making movies and I love podcasts, so it's it's a really really hard question. But I I would have to say books at this point um, because because I love writing so much that I I can't imagine um, even though it's so hard to do anything other than that. So I, I would I would have to say. Uh, just a full-time author uh, at that point. Not screenplays either, since we're excluding the, the entertainment industry. I, I would just say books. Um, I, and, you know, look, there's three more St. James books in this series, so that'll continue. And then, you know, there's a, a bunch of other people that wanna, want me to help them write their biographies. Uh, obviously, I, I helped Matt Best write his. And uh, so, yeah, I, the full-time author would be the answer. Um. George Pongratz Jr. Ross Patterson, how do you look at Drinking Bros now, episode 299 or 300, uh, from all the way back to the very first episode? The kinds of fans, the community, what have you noticed? Did you think it would get as popular as it is now as fast as it did? Um, Yes, I felt that there was a great potential with Drinking Bros. Looking back on it after, I think we're on like episode 350 or 60 or something like that for Drinking Bros. And we're almost at 300 on this one. Um, Drinking Bros has exploded in a way where it's like, you know, you were, man, I, there, there, there isn't very too many celebrities left that we haven't either had on or couldn't possibly get at this point. And, um, and that's amazing um, because celebrities are always changing. There's always new ones that pop up every year, like Post Malone. I, I didn't, you know, Post Malone wasn't a thing a couple of years ago, and uh, he is now, and I love all of his shit, and therefore I'd love to have him on the show. And there's always new people like that popping up or new heroes or new, um, you know, Medal of Honor recipients and things like that. Like, um, it is pretty crazy how far that show has gone. Um, I look back on it now, uh, back to episode one of, I remember doing that episode, it was in Jared's garage and, uh, you know, I call in from my side and we record on both sides and then we have a, an editor puts it together. Um, that was crazy and fun and a blast. And like, I still listen, I've, I listened to that first episode, uh, when we were doing the drinking bros live movie and, uh, I love it, man. I, I, you know, the only thing that's changed about Drinking Bros, if, if, if like real talk in it here, is you know Matt and Evan and, and Jared and those guys are running a massive coffee company, so their time is is sucked in a million different ways. Um, I'm doing all these books and shit um, along with podcasting, so like I have a better handle on my schedule um, than those guys do, simply because there's so many deals and all that shit that's coming down, and I think for black rifle to, to as big as it's getting and to help out, uh, the veteran community. Um, it's good that there's these problems because that, that means their company is getting bigger and bigger. And if you can have a company succeed on that level, it's only going to help, uh, more men and women who are leaving the military. And, uh, uh, and I think it's a great example of what you can achieve. Um, but I wish we could get fucked up more. And, you know, like the old school days of drinking bros, but, uh, 
it's it's harder and harder to, to do that now just because there's there's more meetings and shit like that like um but afterwards you know um and look you know evan and i have kids jared's got kids um so you know dad can't just show up drunk every night and be like hey i'm home kids uh so life life sort of gets in the way but that's about the only difference other than that though at heart all of us are the same people um but yeah, the drinking bros, man, that's, it's, it's fucking awesome. The community's awesome. And, uh, fuck, I, I don't think, I think people underestimate how much I appreciate the, the drinking bro community around the world. Um, because I, I, again, with the sports show, I travel so much to, to meet, you know, and I get to meet everybody in all these cities. Like it, it is an amazing, amazing community. And if you're not a member of it, it's a private group on, on Facebook. Uh, if you're not a member of it, um, you don't really know how powerful and amazing that community is. Um, and if you're in trouble, literally in any city, any, almost anywhere in the world, man, a drinking bro will help you. Um, no questions asked any time of day, nights, no matter what the situation is. And, uh, I've never been a part of anything like that. And that's why I, interact within the group so much is um it's probably the best community of humans i've ever gotten to know um but yeah it's look the podcast is is a success because of them and because of people listening to it um we're able to get celebrities and all that stuff because of that and uh it's it's I can't say enough great things about the drink and bro community. And again, you can find out about it on Facebook. Just sign up for the private group uh, on Facebook. There's no algorithms or any of that bullshit. Um, and you get to talk to real people and you really get to see what's, what's going on in there. Uh, Andy Labuda, did I ever get to finish Boombox Bigfoot? I didn't. It got, that project got nuked and uh, it got bought out. It's, it's just didn't get made. It's still out there and I could make it, but I, I'd have to find financing on my own. And um, it's really, really tough to get those movies financed right now. I'd, I'd love to, though. I, the, the script's hilarious. And uh, I, I would really like for Barry Boswick to play Bigfoot. Or Kevin Sorbo, who would be great at it, too. Uh, Will Emanuel, does, everyone, does anyone ever truly know another person? Hashtag deep thoughts. Probably not. There's probably shit that your wife or girlfriend or boyfriend however you get down on in this world, like they're thinking about weird shit that they'll never ever tell you about and vice versa. So no, no is the answer on that. Um, and if you did, would you really love that person enough? Because then you would know everything about them. There's some mystery there that you're like, man, I wonder what fucked up shit they're thinking about, which is probably why you stay with them. Um, Dustin Black. Besides the obvious question of why men have nipples, I want to know, in your opinion, what season from a professional football team deserves a movie and why? What season from a professional football team deserves a movie and why? I would like to see a movie about the 85 Bears. Um, and I, 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 this is just a quick thought going over all this, the past Super Bowl champions and all of this shit. I think that was the only team that had a bunch of big personalities that, I mean, dude, Ditka, the coach himself, was a massive personality. Uh, the, 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 down to the quarterback to Refrigerator Perry, um, 
to Walter Payton. Um, there's just so many fucking people on that specific 85 Bears team. And and their domination in that Super Bowl was was, you know, almost unprecedented. Like that team, I think because of how big the personalities were, I would love to see. Where you know, you could shout out like the 49ers old school, like Montana and those guys, but like Montana and Jerry Rice for the most part seem like boring people in real life where that 85 Bears team seemed like they fucking raged. I'm sure those, like I've heard stories about those Steelers championship teams in the 70s and how much blow they were doing with like Terry Bradshaw on them. So that would probably be my number two. But um, yeah, I'd go 85 Bears. That that would be a, a fun one, man. Um, and I, look... Well, I don't know if I'm. Yeah, I, I could still play the quarterback in that movie, but that that, that would be a, that would be a blast. Benjamin Love, what would be your dream project and cast and budget to pull off the dream project? Um, that's those are ones I went over earlier. Um, sabotage movie wise, uh, the adaptation of of the the BC Boys music video, and then TV show wise, I'd love to make a, a St. James Street James series out of all of these books for. HBO or, or Netflix. Um, but I, I want it to be just as graphic as the books are. So those are, those are the last two dreams filmmaking wise I have on this earth. If I was able to make those, I, I, I don't know that I would make anything else to be honest with you. Um, Tyler Miller, if you couldn't drink anymore, who would be the first person you would kill? It changes Tyler. And I'm glad you asked that because I would kill Boy, man, there's, there's people on a day-to-day basis that I would like to kill and I would be fine with it. Like for real, like I could, I could kill them, murder them, just move on with my day and probably never thinking about it again. If there wasn't like, oh man, you had to worry about like the law and shit like that. Um, so that one's always changing and evolving. Like, uh, right now I can name, name a, name a few um, in my mind. I can't say them out loud, obviously, because, you know, for legal reasons, um, I mean, somebody could just call the cops and be like, hey, man, there's this show that's super popular and this guy's just openly talking about the people he'd murder um, and I'm one of them. Could you stop this from maybe possibly happening? Because he seems serious about it. So I can't say that, but yeah, yeah, there's... Uh, I, I know who it is. I know who the first person I would kill is, Tyler, right now, today. Um, but again, that's always changing. But today, I know exactly who that is. Uh, Brian Michael Korpowski. Um, I'm going to, this, I'm going to, I'm actually playing him in the Drinking Bros Fantasy Football Championship. And uh, I'm stoked about it. What's the one city, or I think, actually, I think Jesse might be. Um, Maybe it's Jesse. I'll have to double check that. We're doing that show tonight, by the way. Brian. So you might be on two shows. Um, What's the one city in the U.S. you feel meh about due to average restaurants, nightlife, people, etc.? Houston. Houston, Texas. I I just felt meh about that city. Um, I don't know why. I thought the food was just okay. Um, I've been there, I've, I've been there a few times now and I wasn't really stoked about it, to be honest with you. That was just one of those cities where I was just like, meh, I, yeah, just, it's just kind of average to me. Uh, not, not a big fan of Houston, Texas for whatever reason. Um, 
Plus, the driving there is weird. Like, you've got a, a lot of like hard left turns under freeways and shit. Um, yeah. So that that's one of them. Um, this one's for both you and Jesse. First baby is due in three weeks. It's a girl. This is Chris Ward. What is some advice or something you wish you would have told about being a parent? Um, Boy, the first eight months are really, really fucking tough. And I know everybody says that, but it's way, way harder um, than you think it is. And you're just like, oh, man, like day one, day one when the baby is born, they put them on all this shit and, you know, they're doing tests and all this stuff. And like the baby sleeps all through the night. And like you're, you're usually only in the hospital knock on wood if there's no complications for like 36 hours 48 hours tops but the baby's like quiet and you're like oh man this is great it's like i don't know what everybody's talking about this baby sleeping as soon as you get them home it's fucking bulls on parade and it is brutal um and if somebody would have said hey man you're gonna have to cross that like eight month mark um a long time ago like at least i know with the second one but the first one i didn't know and i was just like this is never going to end and i feel like i'm gonna kill myself um dead serious like it's it's weird man so that's i that's my best advice is this is just get through that eight months and uh once you get through that you're kind of golden and once they're able to walk and do things and all that shit then all the magic starts of having kids and I look, I love having kids and, and it's great. But uh, that first eight months is brutal. Um, so be prepared for that. Like really, really be prepared for that. Uh, know that you are probably going to hate your wife. She's probably going to hate you. And at some point you're probably going to hate that child that you gave birth to. And you think it's never going to end. It will end. Just wait for that eight months and your relationship will probably go back to normal after that. Joshua Brandow. What is the moment, or was there one, where you decided to do your own thing, produce, write, direct, etc., and what made you take that leap and go for it? Um, it was the movie Accepted. Uh, I did not really enjoy working on that movie. Not for the reasons you think, though. Um, it was one of those things where the director let everybody improv but me, and... To have to sit, it was like it was like a basketball game, man. Where you know you want to go out and play with the best, and you, you know Jonah Hill was in that movie, and Justin Long, and and those guys are great and all that. Um, but to watch them improv over and over and over all day long for three months straight, and not be able to do that, uh, it, it, I felt like they, I felt like they benched Jordan on that one, and I was pissed off about it. I didn't want to be there. And, you know, it, it's like riding the bench of a, of a team that you, you know, you never get to step foot on the court. So it, it, it sucked. And after that, I was like, dude, I should be doing improv and, and all of that shit all of the time. Not just them. And that was when I, I, I had, you know, and I made a decent chunk of change off that movie. I, that was when I had the come to Jesus moment. Where I was like, I'm going to have to fucking change my career because not my career, but my career path and, and whether or not I get to, to do and say and write or make the movies that I want to make and, and not have to answer to anybody anymore. Um, and that, that was the movie that made me do that. Now, working on the movie as a whole was fine. Um, like Blake Lively and the people in it were all lovely. I don't have any, you know 
anything bad to say about them. Um, I didn't particularly like working with Joan in that movie. It's about it from that entire cast, but that was a big, big cast. And, uh, and yeah, that, 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 that was the one that changed it for me where I was just like, fuck this man. Like, do you not know that I'm Ross Patterson? You fucking dicks. So after that, I, I decided to set fire to the rain and take everything that I had and, and try to make a go of it, man. Um, uh, I financed uh, Barnes Brothers with with Clayton Crawford, who was, who was my best friend. We financed that on our credit cards. We sold that to MTV. Um, shot the pilot, and we got paid for that. It didn't go forward after that because the execs over there were fucking idiots. Um, and they were like, man, I just uh, we don't know if this redneck thing is going to do much in the world. And it literally, it was less than a year later that that uh, blue-collar comedy tour came out and dominated and made you know a billion dollars and all of their endeavors and they were like whoa we were definitely wrong about that super sorry but it was too late um but i had already had the taste at that point with my own production company and producing shit i was like all right great i'll take the rest of the money and make darnell dawkins mouth guitar legend um so i made that and uh and started making all this other shit afterwards and i don't I mean i haven't really auditioned for anything in like fuck man eight years maybe nine i like i don't don't even know i can't even tell you uh, how long it is and it was worth it but it's it's hard as fuck so uh but anything in this world is is hard so uh, it's not just this it's any company but uh it was that one man that was the one that did it for me willis shirley have you ever been lost in the wilderness if so then explain please yes i was as a child i was lost in a big sur actually with um my cousin Bobby, Bobby Patterson. Um, the two of us had, were just two kids skipping along the river, and we were we were uh, camping out for the night with all of our family, and uh, we got lost. And they had to call in like the, the the Mounties or whatever the fuck you know you call them up in the woods and um, <laughs> the Bear Patrol or whatever. And and they were I, I don't know I guess worried we were going to get eaten by bears or raped by bears or whatever. But yeah, man, we were lost for fucking hours, and they found us, um, brought us back to safety. Safety. So yeah, that really happened. Um, Dylan Lopez, why doesn't the Y in kayak have an accent over it? Oh, like a tilde. Um, the letter Y never makes an I sound in kayak. Uh, yeah, you you're looking for like an umlaut or a tilde. I completely agree with that. I don't know. And that's a great question. Uh, also, it's a palindrome. So kayak, if you spell it backwards and forwards, still kayak. So let that one terrorize your mind for the rest of the evening. Bobby Rizza, would you ever direct a porn? And if so, who would star in it? Yes, Bobby Rizza, I would. And um, the reason being is I would still like to make, there was a movie within the movie in Range 15 called A Soldier Came Home. And there's a joke in that movie in Range 15 about Gene Vandenham having a 27-minute sex scene. I would like to shoot the actual movie A Soldier Came Home with Gene Vandenham, shoot the 27-minute sex scene, but shoot it as a real-life porn um, with a stunt double, obviously, because my wife would never let me do it, um, and then put it up on Pornhub for free and just let people watch that. So have somebody else play Gene Vandenham 
and then fuck a porn star, direct it, and then put that up on Pornhub for free and have it be a part of that movie. So where you would watch a soldier came home, you know, on Amazon or iTunes or whatever, and then at the end of the movie, it would just tell you, hey, man, go to Pornhub and watch the full 27-minute sex scene there, and then it would actually be there. Um, oh, and who would star in it? Um, it dude, it would be, uh, I, I would probably get James Dean. That guy's got a fucking hammer on him. Um, he would be the dude. Uh, chick wise, look, there's a ton of porn stars. Like, I'm not picky on that. Um, but James Dean, I think, has got a hammer on him. I'd like to see him pull that hog out and destroy some poon. Uh, Aaron Chessness. Um, we all know you love Wilmington Brewery. Yes, it's my favorite. Uh, what what are some of your other favorite craft beers and or breweries? Um, I like that. Look, there's a there's a place they just opened called Max Speed Shop here in Wilmington. There's one in I guess uh, in in Fayetteville, North Carolina as well. Uh, new to it, man. I had never been there. They have like fucking 300 beers from all over the world. There's a there's a bunch of like crazy like sour beers and shit. I get down on those and. Um, I don't know the names of them. One was like a, a, a Cinco Paddock, I think was the name of it. Um, Cinco Paddock. I don't know where it's from. It was in a green can, and it was delightful. That was one of the best ones I've had recently. Um, Duncan Harris. Ross, if you wake up tomorrow and it's all over, Jesse and the kids have left. Black Rifle, all of your sponsors have dropped you. Um, you're no longer friends with with Jared, Matt, and et cetera. You don't talk to them anymore. There's no one, there's nowhere to go or anyone to turn to. There's a me too against you. All you have is a bag, a passport, and a thousand dollars. How do you start over? This is the man, I don't know how long we've been doing this at this point. This is the best one yet. Um, how do I start over? I would go. You know, I talked to Bert Koontz. I did an interview with Bert Koontz. Um, hashtag Bert from TV. He owns a company called Bison Union. He just recently moved to like a log cabin in Wyoming. And and it's near a small town called Sheridan uh, in Wyoming. I think uh, if, if, this, if this exact scenario would happen, I think I would go to a small town in Wyoming or Montana and just work at a bar. Um, start, start there, start really, really small. Obviously I only have a grand on me. Um, I don't think that I would go, look, I don't think that I would go, I don't know if I would go overseas immediately. Um, I enjoyed France a lot when I was there and I enjoyed like the outskirts and all that other shit. I don't know. First of all, I don't know French and I don't know how, what you would do possibly for a living, but I know that I could probably be a a fucking bartender and uh and and something desolate like like in, in a place like wyoming or, or montana where i don't have to fucking deal with real people and all that other shit and i'll take it a step further i don't even know if i have a phone anymore i think i would go back to a flip phone with you know 20 friends or 10, actually I don't have any, you're right. I don't have any more friends. I would have a flip phone for work, but nothing with the internet and just live my life live again. Like it was, you know, watch live sports. If you miss it, you miss it. That type of shit. Like, um, and I think that, that would, that would be what I do. 
And I just, you know, when you die, you die and that's it. There's no fanfare. That's, that's it. And just trying to live out your life. But yeah, I think that's Wyoming or Montana. That's, that's what I do. I go to a bar and I start there and that's it. I don't, I probably, I wouldn't get married again. And I know, I don't know if I'd have any more children, but you never know how drunk I got and whether or not I would pull out again. So who knows? Who knows? Colin Petey asks, what's the most annoying thing that Jesse does? Oh boy, this is easy. She drinks water super loud. I know that sounds weird, but that's, she will take one of these like giant, like deer park fucking jugs or whatever the, the, what they are. And she can down like an entire one in one setting, but it's just, it's a, it's a real, I can hear every last gulp of it. And I'm like, man, just you either use a straw or just open up, let it, let all the water go down. I can't, I can't hear that all the time. That's what it is. Uh, what do I do to her? That's most annoying. Um, there's probably a laundry list. And I, I, you, I'd be better served letting her ask that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, hers is drinking water. God damn it. It's the worst. Uh, Craig Dulesky, when are you and I doing this Iowa road trip? That was one state you haven't been to yet. Yes, it is. I, I think it, the, I think there's only like 12 states I haven't been to, and Iowa's one of them. Uh, I'd love to go to Iowa. I don't, I don't, I, I would wait for an Ohio state game. Like whenever Ohio state is playing Iowa and then I would try to pop out there. I, I would like to do it and do it around a game and then see the rest of it. I'm not sure how much craziness is going on in Iowa. So I, I think I could knock it out in a weekend and really, really do my Iowa thing. Dick Weber. Oh, it's a big name. It's a big boy name. Dick Weber. Or it could be Weber. There's only one B. Uh, when is the Crime Corner documentary getting made? Could you imagine? Could you imagine if we actually made a Crime Corner documentary? First of all, Jessie is terrible at Google and the internet. She couldn't even find like one of these addresses to interview one of these people. So that documentary, you can go ahead and throw out the window. It would never get made. Um, will, will Notre Dame ever man the fuck up and join a conference is his next question. I, no. And I think it's because their NBC contract is so massive, they don't want to share that money with a conference. And it is what it is, man. I, I fucking hate it. And I think it's the biggest advantage that any college team has in sports today is being able to go out and recruit and say, hey, no matter how, how poor you are, you can watch your kid play on every Saturday because every single Notre Dame game is televised on on free channels on NBC. It's a crock of shit. Uh, I don't think Notre Dame's going to, I think they're going to get blasted by Clemson anyway. So fuck them. Uh, Marie Loyenga, Loyenga, uh, Jesse, are you interested in writing a book about being a working mom? Whew. Says I'd love to read it. And, um, I can tell you this and I love hearing you make fun of other psycho type A moms. Um, I don't, I don't think Jesse's interested in writing a book. Um, I think uh, I think she loves podcasting too much to ever write a book, to be honest with you. And she'd rather just talk about it on the show. Uh, writing a book is extremely time-consuming, and her watching even me do it is... She's just like, bro, I don't know how you do this shit. Um, so no. But, but she talks about it on the show all the time, which makes the show great. Uh, Tim Fry. 
Number one, was your newborn conceived on a ghost bed? The answer is yes. Yes, yes, he was. Um, that shit's real. We love ghost bed. And that is real. The child was conceived on a ghost bed. Number two, if you could remake any movie, but to make it better, what would it be? Easy one. Uh, fr- <laughs> this is going to sound crazy. Friday the 13th. I've always wanted to make in uh, a, th- a Friday the 13th that was close to the 1980s version where you had 35-year-olds playing 18-year-olds and uh, make it campy and fun and a shit ton of killings. And uh, I enjoy that campiness and funness of the original Friday the 13th. So I would do it like that and and have fun with it. Um, wouldn't be a comedy, but it would be in this true spirit of how those ones were actually made. Um, that would be my, that would be something I, I would, I would absolutely remake. Um, and the, look, even, even the 3d one man would be a fucking blast. Uh, Dan Wilkins, Hey Ross, if you would to pick one gay lover to spend the rest of your life with, who would it be? And why? It's a great question. It would probably have been Prince, but he's dead. Um, but but when he was alive, it would probably have been Prince. Like I feel like I look one. I could overpower him and fuck him when I wanted to. Also, like he's dainty enough and like sexually, like you know, he, like as a gay dude, he probably would have, have given a great performance. Also, just to hang out and watch him make music and shit. Like, uh, and he was a diehard sports fan, like a diehard. Um, like it, w- it would have been Prince. That would that would have been my gay lover for life. I would have gone with Prince on that one. Um, Blake Leviton, question for you: Do you feel it is necessary, important to leave a legacy behind? Yes, I do actually. Um, I, that's why I feel like I'm. I make all of this content. Like, there's so many shows, podcasts, there's so many books, there's so many movies, there's a bunch of stuff that you know, at least my kids, their kids could always look back. And and if there was any curiosity about my life, who I was, what I laughed at, what I love the most, you could go through fucking hundreds of hours of footage or pages and pages of books or scripts and all of that shit. And, uh, and know exactly who I was, what I loved. And, um, and who the real me was. And uh, yes, I, I do think that's important. It's part of the reason why I do all this. Um, Mason Rinelli, how did you guys first meet? Uh, we met on the movie, 50K and a Call Girl, a love story. Um, and you can actually see us meeting in real life in that movie if you, uh, if you check it out. Uh, Haley Knox, how do you handle backlash from douchebags? People critiquing you or just being negative in general towards you or what you do. That one's always the hardest, man. I know Jesse has a hard time with it. And I tell her not to read the internet. Um, I read it and, you know, sometimes I respond. Sometimes I don't. Uh, it'll never go away. So I think it's just learning to. Once you learn that part of it of like, hey, this will never, ever go away. And this will always be a thing forever. Um I think that helps. The other part is, you know, when you stop reading the comments and you stop caring about what people think, that also fucking helps. So I, I don't, you know, and I've talked to Matt Best about this, like with videos or movies or all that other shit, like I try to read um, I, like maybe four or five, just to make sure it's all right, whatever it is that I made. And then after that, like I'm good. 
I'm good on all that shit. Um, I, I try not to uh, to do it. Uh, Ryan John uh, Ross, did you actually climb in the river at Matt Bass House? I didn't actually. It was it was too cold when I was there. But I I love the rivers, man. I grew up on a river. I grew up on the Chattahoochee. Like that was a. I don't know where the fuck they think that I don't like rivers on Drinking Bros podcast. Um, I would rather go to a river than a pool, to be honest with you. Uh, that that was just my jam back in the day. Because uh, we our, our neighborhood, we lived on one as a kid. So I don't know where that gets started, but it's funny. Um, additionally, is Jables going to give you the Father of the Year award for your accomplishments? I don't think Jables will ever give me what I deserved um, in this life as far as recognition goes for all of my wonderful accomplishments. But occasionally I'll get like a laugh and she'll be like, eh, that was pretty fucking funny. All right, you got me. And that, that's, that's about as far as it'll get with Jabes. Um, never anything more than that though. Uh, ever. <laughs> um, Rufus Lopez about you. I want to hear about the best drunken story or accidental drunken bang story. Um, all the details, especially if it was a fat girl or a guy, fat girl, or a guy, man, I, I'm married, so I can't tell really that many fucking bang stories here on my own show. But if you catch me in real life, I'll tell you, I mean, like, I'll, I'll give you fucking real shit, Rufus. If you, if, if you, if you see me out, uh, wink, wink, just don't tell Jesse, but I'm totally good to tell you if I see you in person. Uh, Chad Hart, are eyebrows considered facial hair? Yes, they are. And they need to be groomed and treated as such. Because if not, and they grow out of control, then it's a fucking long, long life. Uh, so yeah, you need to treat it like it's like like it's real shit. Uh, Samuel, a burning bomb. You're stuck in a desert island with either Matt Best, Evan Hafer, Jared Taylor. Who do you bring with you, and why? Uh, I would probably bring probably bring Matt. Oh, man, I gotta. Yeah, I would probably bring Matt. Um, that's tough, man. I I love I I love all of these guys equally. Um, Jared has the worst breath, so I would probably bring Matt. He's prettier. I know because I know eventually you'd you'd have to fuck one of them, and it's just like, hey, man. So it would probably be Matt. Nothing against Evan um, whatsoever, because he's a he's a beautiful man in his own right. But let's face it, the prettiest of the of the group is Matt. And uh, if you're on a desert island, yeah, one day you're you're gonna end up fucking the other person. So it's probably gonna be Matt. Byron Human, what is your favorite conspiracy theory and why? Um, my favorite conspiracy theory, it, look, it used to be the JFK thing, and then that to me got disproved over the years. Where I was like, eh. Uh, so I'm, I, I still got to go UFOs on this one. UFOs is my my number one, and I don't think it's a, a conspiracy theory. I think that shit's real. That's my number one. Um, uh, speaking of which, the next question is this: Russ, it's from John Skanklin. Or Shankland. Sorry about that. Ugh, I'm sure you've heard it the other way around. I'm sure it's been a long life. John Shankland, I apologize. Ross, you really need to go down the alien rabbit hole. I'm thinking full show. I'm with you on this, and this needs to be discussed more. I agree, but I need to get somebody other than Jesse on the show to talk about it. Um, reason being is she doesn't. She, I, she still doesn't believe in that shit. So I need somebody on the show that... Uh, that really fucking will go down that hole with me. Uh, Lester Runza, what was the worst, funniest thing you ever witnessed in college? Boy, there was a lot. I mean, we did so much fucked up shit. Um, 
I I would say there was a guy. There was a like a there, there was this thing called Mort Cooper where there was a, like a card tournament uh, called P Knuckle. It's like an Ohio game. I didn't I didn't know what it was. I didn't get down on it. I didn't play it. But everybody took it really fucking seriously. And it was like an Ohio thing. And I was coming from Georgia, so I didn't know what it was. But everybody got dressed up in like uh, like cheap leisure suits and smoked cigars all night and drank copious amounts of hard liquor. And that was the thing. It was like scotch or whiskey. Or, I mean, it was, it was hard, man. It was a hard drinking night. And this guy lost. And he walked up a flight of stairs and pulled his pants down sat over the banister and then shit took a shit from a full story up onto the table that he had lost on where the other guy was still winning and was playing the next person in the game. And he, he shit from a full story up and it splattered all over this card table right at the perfect heights moment. All of that. Like it was a dream scenario where you could never repeat that in a million years if you tried and uh, it caused a huge all-out brawl, and it was the, that was the funniest thing, one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life, just because the timing of the shit had to have been perfect. I mean, absolutely fucking perfect. Um, purple or red Skittles? From Robbie Lewis. Robbie Lewis. Um, I go purple on this. Red's kind of boring to me. Most of, the, most of that red shit's always the same. Uh, Cole Maxwell, what was the process behind creating St. James Street James character? That's a great one. And I'd say what, we're going to actually end the show with this one tonight. There's a bunch of more questions I'll get to this. This show has been a blast. If this does well and you guys want to do this again, I'll fucking answer the rest of these because there's like 500 more questions. Um, the process behind creating St. James Street James was, I knew that I wanted to make a spoof of these seventies movies. So make fun of like B movies from the seventies. And I knew that I needed a guy to do it. And I was a huge fan of the room and they ended up making a movie about it, uh, with James Franco. Um, so it was, uh, obviously Tommy Wiseau. Um, Oh, hello. Uh, so when I had seen the room in a theater and then I found out about the story that was behind that whole movie, afterwards um and i was gonna spoof movies like shitty movies like that from the 70s and stuff um i wanted to create a character that was a awful director and writer and once i'd gotten deep down that rabbit hole of the story of who tommy wiseau was and all of that shit where you didn't really know anything about him you didn't know where he got the financing for the room uh, he said he sold leather jackets and jeans and, and weird things in Europe. And it was just like, I don't know whether any of that was true. That's kind of how I modeled St. James street, James. I wanted to be, to be a character that was ageless. He didn't know how, how old he was, where he came from, where he lived, like where he lived in this world. Um, but he was just this guy who had so much belief in these shitty movies that he was making that, uh, it was super arrogant and super just this, I'm the best and nothing else matters. And you're welcome for my brilliance and genius and all this stuff. And it was Tommy Wiseau. That was, that, that was the guy that I kind of modeled that after the name itself. Um, actually I was stuck on the name. So like I, it was writing, I think the first one was pool boy drying out the fury. 
I was writing that and um, uh, I just had left the character name blank. I, I didn't know who it was. Um, but I knew that there was a, a, I wrote a scene about snorkel shots in it. Oh, sorry. You startled me. I was doing snorkel shots. And in that scene, um, he was like, they were pouring Jameson down a snorkel thing. So, uh, I'd bought in a bottle of Jameson and started pounding, like uh, not pounding, but, uh, I did like two or three shots to see if they would go down easy enough that you could do it for real in that scene. Um, I don't know why I thought it was necessary to do that, but in or live in the scene or whatever, because we ended up doing it live in that scene. We did Jameson live in that scene in that actual movie. But on the bottle, it had said made on St. James Street. And I was like, oh, well, if it's St. James Street, why not just add another James to the end of that? Because that's the worst name I've ever heard for a, a street. And so that's where the name St. James Street James came from, as I added a, a, a James to the end of St. James Street. Um, plus, the, the way that they're both abbreviated is, is ST period, ST period. So that way, whenever the audience saw it on the, on the cryon at the bottom of the screen, it would be like, oh, it's St. James, St. James. And it's like, nope, it's St. James Street James. So that was, that was it. And to this day, I would say... That character, I think, is my favorite um, out of all the characters I've created. Uh, I, lo- I loved Cleavon Buford from uh, FDR American Badass. Obviously, loved Donner Daw- Dawkins, Mouth Guitar Legend, and Gene Vandenham. But I would say St. James Street James has been my favorite to play. And I-, I think exploring that life in all of these books has been the funnest ever because it's it's the craziest shit you could that that one person could never live and uh i love going down that that rabbit hole of how far can you possibly push it with one human and that st james street james and with that um that is the end of show 299 uh try to uh, try to answer as many as i could fuck man it, again if this does well and you want to hear this again let's do it um the revolutionary figure of the day actually going to give this to uh jointly to mark Marin and um uh and joe rogan because if it weren't for hearing your podcast and thinking this was possible and it being interesting and super fascinating uh i i don't know that i would have gotten to episode 300 of the of my own show um listening to you guys and uh and more importantly seeing your invoices of how much you guys make jesus christ um not only did I, I think it was possible to make a living doing something that you love this much, but, um, uh, but it also showed me that you could do this for years and years and years and it seemed fresh and, and new, um, because those guys are into the thousands on their episodes. I'm only on 300, but, uh, uh, I hope, you know, I hope I'll be there, uh, with some of the greats one day. So those are my revolutionary figures of the day. Uh, to everybody who wrote in, man, I greatly appreciate it. And uh, fuck, this was awesome, man. Let's let's do this again sometime, and I'll, I'll try to get Jabe's on next time. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this was episode two ninety nine. I am Ross Patterson. This is the Revolution. Good night, everyone. Uh-huh.